Good morning. It's another installment of the Bat Around coming to you live from our press box studios here in beautiful Baltimore, Maryland. A little bit chilly outside today, but I can deal with it because I'm headed down to Florida on Thursday where it's going to be in right, the yeah. mid to upper 80s. Turn mm-hmm. yourself down, sir. Uh, where it's going to be in the mid to upper 80s all four days that I'm there. We're having an issue on WavePad. It's not picking up anything. You were correct. You were correct. Um, Let me fix that. There's a record button, I think, and you can go up there and you can change it. Um, in the meantime, let's uh, let's let's try this again. In the meantime, welcome to the Battle Round. Uh, today's show is brought to you by the CIAA Tournament. Today is Championship Saturday at the CIAA Tournament. The CIAA is an event that has become a celebration of family, culture, and accomplishments that uplift and strengthen the African American community. Zach, I'll get it. See the exi- see the excitement of the title games in person as some of the best college basketball goes down at Baltimore's Royal Farms Arena with the CIAA Men's and Women's Conference Tournament Championship Games. Get your tickets now at CIAAtournament.org. That's CIAAtournament.org. Zach, how are you today? Not too bad. How are you? Um, I'm well. Yeah, I, I've enjoyed some uh, some college baseball these past few weeks, kind of filling the void a little bit of uh, of missing out on, on Major League Baseball right now. I, I was just telling you before the show that I'm, I'm incredibly tired of hearing about the CBA, tired of talking about the CBA, uh, everything associated with it, I'm tired of. So I, you know, maybe college baseball can fill that void for you. I don't know if you're as a big of a fan of it as I am, but um, it's a lot of fun to watch. And, and there's some good teams in this area right now, uh, specifically, you know, Maryland being one of them. So there's some fun baseball to watch at the moment when it's not Major League Baseball or Minor League Baseball, which we, we should have Minor League Baseball soon, though. Yeah, so that's the, good. The problem for me with college baseball... Wow. <coughs> I was literally about to clear my throat, and then my and then my <laughs> my voice cracked. The problem for me with college baseball, I love college mm-hmm. baseball. Yeah, I'm always working when yeah. the games are being played. Well, you can watch them on if you go to ESPN Plus. You can watch the recordings of them. So, oh, you really? Can, yeah, you can. Okay. you can watch uh, them on demand. I've been trying to find ways because you could kind of see Maryland getting better year after mm-hmm. year after yeah. year. For, so for the last two three years, I've been trying to find ways to watch Maryland college baseball. Yeah, and I'm like, where are these games? They're nowhere. Um, so I've just been kind of following along on my Twitter timeline. Sure. But now that you tell me I can watch on ESPN Plus, yeah. I, they're playing today, right? Uh, they play all the time. So I, I think they're on a road trip right now. Yeah, I think they're playing today. Okay, yeah. okay. I, I might have to check that game they're on, out yeah, today. They're on the road. Uh, we have to check out college baseball. We have to check out the minor leagues. Minor league spring training beginning on Monday, uh, February the 28th, because there's nothing going on in baseball. Yeah. These, these two sides have... Okay, let I am so freaking tired. I'm tired of hearing of, about of, it. of this crap. Yeah, I, I'm I, so tired. At this point, I don't care yeah. what deal happens. I don't care if the player salaries go down to hundred thousand dollars a year. I don't care if the major league owners get eight billion dollars a team in yeah. revenue. I don't care what happens. Sure, get it the hell done. First of all, it shouldn't have taken you nearly three months. Or I'm sorry, it shouldn't have taken you two and a half months mm-hmm. to get to daily meetings. Yeah. Where was the sense of urgency? And now you're meeting you're meeting every day and it's it looks good because the peripherals are good because you're meeting for hours on end. Yeah. But it's really an hour meeting with the two sides. Then they go back and caucus with their own sides for yeah. three hours and they meet for thirty five minutes and then they all go home. Yeah. Get it done. This is garbage. Simple. Get it like the deadline both both of these sides are making threats. Right. So the deadline is by Major League Baseball is Monday, the twentieth. Mm-hmm. If a deal isn't done by the end of the day on Monday, the twenty eighth, yeah. the season will not start on time. And they're saying, but that's like, they're saying, 
that that doesn't have to happen, right? It doesn't, but it's go- the, the, yeah. they're, they're they're trying to puff their chest out. Yeah. Uh, when we were talking about it on GCR the other day, Glenn was saying it's an empty threat. It kind of is, but but MLB stated a deadline is a deadline. So if a deal isn't agreed upon by Monday, the schedule will be shortened and players won't be paid for games missed. The players are saying if MLB goes forward with that, they will not agree on expanded playoffs, which would cost the owners over a hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. Get it figured out. The one thing they did do that they made progress on yesterday. Was uh, they agreed on they agreed on a format or on a um what's the word on, on the framework excuse me they agreed on the framework for uh, a draft lottery so major league base the major league baseball players association their first proposal mm-hmm. was eight teams in the uh, draft lottery major league baseball counter proposaled with if that's a thing um, they came back with three players. Um, so Major League Baseball then offered four. The union went down to seven. They basically have agreed now on the framework. And what Major League Baseball is trying to do is they're trying to tie that to the expanded playoffs. They're saying, okay, we will give you, if you give us a 14-team playoff, we will give you your draft lottery. We don't know what how many players are there, there are going to be, but that's basically what Major League Baseball is saying right now. Sure. So they're still trying to tie something else to something else. Mm-hmm. It's... None of these negotiations have been in good faith. They no. keep saying it's in good faith, but they're so far apart. Um, let's talk about a little bit about this collective bargaining tax, which is essentially the luxury tax. The players' union wants it to start out at two hundred and forty-five million dollars uh, as the luxury tax, and if you go over, it is a twenty percent tax. Yeah. If you go over by twenty to forty million, it's a thirty-two percent tax. If you go over. By forty million plus, it's a sixty-two point five percent tax. That seems like a lot of money, and it is. It is a lot of money. Yeah. Major League Baseball, they don't want to go. The owners don't want to go over two hundred and fourteen million dollars. What they what what they want to do is, if you go over, if you just go over, you're taxed fifty percent. Mm-hmm. If you go over by twenty to forty million, you're taxed seventy-five percent. Okay. And if you go over by forty plus million, you're taxed a hundred percent. Now, the union's asking for two forty-five. The league's asking for 214. When I did the math, by asking for 214, but those high percentages, in the second frame and the third frame, you're actually spending way, way more money than the union's asking for. It's, And the reason for that is because the owners don't want to pay the players more. Right. Sure. So yeah. if they say $214 million, but then we're going to tax the ever-loving shit out of you in if you go over... It's going to make teams not spend that kind of money. So they're basically doing it as a way to not spend the money, even though it doesn't, yeah. on yeah. its surface it doesn't seem like that. That's roughly what it is. And, and you've seen the competitive balance, uh, the, the tax number be around, what, 218, I think it's been in previous years, and 225, anywhere no, it, in that it, area. It, it capped out at 210 last 210 year. 210 okay, yeah. last year. So, I mean, it, it's kind of right in this area. I think, personally, they should meet somewhere in the middle. I don't really like either number. I think 214 is a little low, and I think 245 is well and way yeah, too but, high. Yeah, but, but when you look at the taxes afterwards, you well, they can up, always they change up, those they, numbers, they, too. They end up saving money with the 245 number. That- yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I, I just think $245 million 
is is going to make players get some contracts that they may not deserve. You're going to start giving out these massive contracts because teams just know they can. They they mm-hmm. ba- basically know we have all this room. Why not give a guy this massive contract like the Yankees can say, you know, like like it's perfect what they did with Aaron Hicks. If they were to do that again right now and give him this massive contract, maybe they really wouldn't care as much because they have all this other room to what sign a players. What bust of a contract. And that was him big. and Jacoby Ellsbury. Your last yeah. two center fielders yeah. you spent money on garbage. And apparently they want to upgrade in center field this offseason. Not a surprise, but it's just an example with with Aaron Hicks. You gave a guy like that seventy million dollars, and maybe with two hundred forty five million being the the luxury tax threshold, you don't really have to worry about it that much, right? Because you've got so much room left. Like you, only like three teams went above that, and then right. there were like another three teams that were that were within three point yeah. four million of the, the right. two ten last year. Right. So two forty five. The owners, in that sense, and I'm not saying they're right with their proposal, mm-hmm. but they are right that if it goes to two forty five. They're going to end up spending way more money. Yeah, yeah, that's you definitely know, true. Because one owner is going to say, "All right, I'm going right to 245." Well, if, if the Dodgers say we're going right to 245, and the Padres say, "Well, we got to keep, we got to keep up with you," now we're going to yeah. 245. Yeah. They end up, and then all the other teams kind of fall in line. They end up spending more money than they want to spend. It's um, 245 million on the payroll, though. It's just a lot of money. That's, it is. That's an exceptionally high amount of money. And I, again, I just feel like some guys are going to get some contracts that are going to be worth. You know, ten or fifteen million a year more than maybe they should be making. It's yeah. just because the, these teams know we have this room. You know, we'll 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 you know fight it out. The Yankees and the Dodgers can fight it out for some free agent and give them more money because they can. It's well, simple as it's, that. It's what Walker Bueller tweeted about the other day, mm-hmm. where he said, "This isn't millionaires versus billionaires. It's employer. It's employees versus employers." Yeah, it, it, they're saying we want to get paid with the rate of inflation. If you were working a job. And inflate with inflation, numbers went up, but yeah. your pay stayed the same. You wouldn't like that either. And on that point, mm. the, they're right, but you're but still making no. <laughs> you're still making no. more money than ninety nine percent. You're still right. making over six hundred and forty thousand dollars. I mean, that's. I mean, you can do anything with that kind of money. Yeah. I mean, you can you can live perfectly happy. That is six hundred forty thousand dollars a year. Six hundred forty thousand dollars a year is fu money. Yeah, I mean that's that's a lot of money. Yeah, and you can get a a wonderful house and car and whatever you want to do. I mean, you can you can go and on every vacation you want to go on. I mean, you never can do anything. have to think about a bill or anything uh, like that. I mean, I, I'm I'm sitting here right. with, with this cushy job. And I'm I'm wondering how I'm going to pay my bills each month. If I was making six hundred and forty thousand dollars a year, pfft. well, I think that's the thing about all of this, and and that's one of the reasons I said in the beginning that I fall a little more in line with the owners. Now I've changed that stance because I think some of the the owners' proposals have been oh, quite the owners far are che- off. The, the owners they, are cheapskates. It's been quite far off, and I I don't. I mean, obviously they're billionaires, and again, this is sorta in a way the billionaires versus the millionaires. But then you look at the players, and they're trying to you know get every little cent out of the owners, and I'm going, but if I was making six hundred thousand dollars i don't know how much i'd be asking for you know a a ten thousand dollar raise i mean you're already making six hundred thousand dollars like that's a a very very high minimum salary and i know it's one of the the lower minimum salaries across the major five pro sports it's not as low as as mls because nobody you know no Sports league is MLS is not it, it, MLS is not a pro. It's, it's part not, of the Big Five, though. The, the, people don't talk about a Big Five. It's par, it's mm. not. It's the it's the Big Four, mm. and then it's MLS. I know that you like the DC United, as you like to opening say. night tonight. I'll yeah, who, be there. Nobody cares. Man. Oh, uh, twenty six thousand. They're going to sell out. I guarantee you, it. They are not going <laughs> to sell out. You're going to be one of three thousand people in that stadium. No way. You're gonna be one of three. Nobody. Li- you want to make a bet on that? I'll make I'll make a bet with that. I'm not going to bet you. The only three thousand people <laughs> are going to be there. You know more about soccer than I, but I can't. Well. Th- 
Nobody cares about DC United. I DC is a surprisingly big soccer city. But anyway, back to Baltimore and and, and baseball. DC. But don't they don't support their hockey team? They don't support their 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 basketball. Well, they support the hockey team, not the not, basketball team. The, no. They don't support the basketball no. team. But let's go root on DC United or the, or the Commanders and, Fr- and Freddie Adu from twenty years ago. Oh, he he was a bust. He yeah. was a bust. You got Michael Estrada coming out tonight. Oof, nobody he's gonna, cares. He's gonna be man. a good player. Anyway, baseball. Back to baseball. <laughs> the big thing here. The big. The the CBT the the collective ba- the collective balance tax or whatever it's called yeah um that's the big thing mm-hmm. that's what Jeff Passon's been saying for a week now that that's the big deal but the other one is arbitration and the league minimum salary and yeah major league the MLBPA is asking for seven hundred seventy five thousand dollars in your first year yeah. under team control and an increase by thirty thousand dollars each year through twenty twenty six which would get you up to about nine hundred thousand dollars by by the end of that yeah. Major League Baseball countered at six hundred forty thousand this year, and an increase of ten k each year through twenty twenty six. I feel like if Major League Baseball came with an actual proposal instead of that heap of garbage, mm-hmm. if it's so far off what the players are asking for, if they came forward and said, "All right, let's start this year at six eighty five, and we'll go up by fifteen thousand dollars every year or twenty thousand dollars every year through the, through twenty twenty six," maybe that's Maybe that's some common ground, and the players would be okay with that because you're already starting out at six hundred eighty-five thousand. The next year you're making seven hundred thousand. By the end of it, you're making what, eight hundred seventy-five thousand uh, dollars. Let's yeah. Let's find some yeah. common ground here. Now, look, they're meeting again today. They're meeting early. We were actually supposed to have Evan. Good, Drell- can't we, wait. We were supposed to have Evan Drellick on the show today, but um, I texted him last night just to see if he was good to go, and he said that because they're meeting early today, he couldn't come on the show. So we'll try and get okay. him a- a- again here soon, but. He said last night, yesterday's meetings had a little bit of progress. Okay. It was progress for the first time all week, um, but not. But they're still worlds apart. Right. Um, right. So, like, I don't... So, I just brought up some of the minimum salaries here. I just thought it'd be a, a relevant note. Um, NBA, 925000 mm-hmm. Uh The NHL, 750000 NHL. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're making considerably less money than than the owners are, as far as as these, revenue wise. The, these these teams also have significantly less players. It's true too. Yeah, definitely. Um, NFL six hundred sixty thousand, so right in that range. Fifty three man uh, active uh, roster. Fifty three. I mean, that they're paying a lot of money out for yeah. that. Um, and then MLB obviously last year was was five hundred seventy thousand five hundred. We want to obviously bring that up a little bit. I think they'll meet somewhere in the middle of that, but just a relevant note. I would like to see them meet somewhere in the middle of it, but more than anything. I would like to stop talking about this. Yeah, I know. I I, I don't like, want to like, talk about. I don't want to talk about the business of baseball. I, mean, I don't want to get angry yeah. that they're not playing baseball. I want to be angry that they're playing baseball and they suck. I'd rather be I'd rather be angry about actual <laughs> yeah. baseball than about non baseball. And you screw with my spring and summer plans. That's yeah. what I, I, like. I don't want to. I don't want to do this. You know, but and hopefully for not much longer. But I, I can't exactly come out here and say I'm positive about this whole thing after seeing this. I mean, you, you, you read Jeff Passan, and Jeff Passan is the guy to follow in all this. Evan Gerlich and him are, are really up on this stuff. And Passan, at the end of it, on almost every, uh, every day after they meet, goes, "There isn't a deal. There never was going to be a deal." Right. And that's just the most deflating thing to hear of all time because it's just, it means they're not even really close. Yet. Yeah. And, and that's just, and they have until Monday. I can't see them hitting that no, deadline. They're both being just sticks in the mud. They're planting their feet, and they're refusing to move. The fact that they agreed to a universal DH, the fact that they're probably going to agree on expanded playoffs, and the fact that they're probably going to agree on the draft lottery, 
That's good, but those aren't the big issues. Those are issues that could be settled later. You gotta yeah. get, you gotta get this luxury tax thing figured out, and you gotta get the arbitration and the league minimum figured out. Once you get that figured out, everything is all the dominoes will fall mm-hmm. once that gets figured out. But until then, it's just beating our heads against the wall for the sake of doing something, right? You know, like I just cannot believe. That they started meeting in January. Mm. It's now basically March, yeah. and nobody's come with a serious proposal. No, a serious. And when I say it, it might be serious to them, but a serious proposal that you can work off. Right. Of. I mean, it, it, look. The thing is, is both sides come in every time with this proposal that they believe is is good faith, but it isn't because you can clearly tell that you're not even close to the other side demand. Right. Like you're not even you're not really making concessions in any of these proposals and you're not even coming close. Why would you even think that's something to come in there with? Like that that's what I'm questioning. Like why as the owners when they when they draft up this new proposal and they come in there, do they think the, P- the players association might like it? You're way off, right? Like if you're if you're putting these numbers like this in here and you're not even coming close to the the, the players association numbers and vice versa too. I mean they it's it's on both sides. Both sides are at fault here. They come in. Why would you even think they're going to accept it? It's just. I mean, you can make a proposal. It doesn't mean it's going to be close to what they're asking for. Right. I mean, my, my, it's my, worthless. Um, it's my worthless. stepdad always used to tell me, and he is not a frugal man by mm-hmm. by any stretch. My stepdad always used to tell me, "You don't get rich by spending money," mm-hmm. and that's exactly the owner's mentality right now. They yeah. like they're billionaires. Most of the owners are billionaires. They're all every franchise is worth at least a billion dollars, right? Yeah. And. They're shortchanging the players. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'd want to side with the players if the players were making any bit of a reasonable proposal. Well, that's what that. I'm saying. They're Neither th- side is being reasonable. Neither <laughs> right. side cares to meet in the middle. They want what right. they want, and they want it now. Yeah, J- a JG Wentworth commercial. It's my <laughs> money. I want it now. And yeah. I just, I can't get on board with well. either side at this point. Figure it out. I'm wondering. No. And again, Major League Baseball said the other night, "There's nothing left for us to discuss." And they want to get a mediator, and the players' union yeah. rejected it again. Why not just do it at this point? What do you have to lose? Because the the union is afraid that a mediator will work off the last proposal and screw them over. But perhaps, yeah. Then go find your own mediator. That's what I was going to say. I mean, that's an option for them, right? Yeah. Wh- why why, can't why they? are they not just said we'll agree to a mediator that we both agree on? Yeah, that would. I- be... If you want a mediator. Let us both talk to these mediators right. and see which one we can both agree on to right. get in here. Right. But no, it's just, again, stick in the mud. Yeah. I don't want that. We don't want that. We're not doing it. Instead yeah. of trying to compromise. The whole thing is a, an unwillingness to compromise and put your egos aside for the betterment just, of the game. It's it, All of this, again, it's just so worthless. It's just so we're all of this, you know, meeting every day and all of this. It's not getting them anywhere, and they've made so little progress. And they'll meet again today, and I guarantee you, when they come out of it, they'll say, "Well, they made a little progress, but you know, players' association was unhappy with this, and the owners were unhappy with this. They're still pretty far apart. We've got time until Monday." And I'm going, "Come on, guys! Like it's 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 not going to happen at this point. It's just not. I I I do not foresee this happening by Monday. And yeah, be, there's it, just there's no way. I mean, the owners even I think they they thought the players' association offer on Thursday, I think it was, was worse than the offer they made on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I mean, they went backwards. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are we doing? What, what are we doing? Why? Not playing baseball, that's for damn sure. I mean, my question to the Players Association there would be, why did you go backwards on the numbers? You know, why, why are you going backwards on what you agreed upon on Wednesday you thought was okay, and then you went back on it on Thursday? Now, what, what were are these we, numbers? Cause I, 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 I remember don't remember. S- I, I, gotta, I gotta look this up. I, I can find it. Um, but yeah, because I remember seeing it. I can't remember exactly what the proposal was. Because I remember last week on this show, we talked about how they 
tried to get the bonus pool money for league minimum and arbitration yeah. up to 115 million when they started at 105, went down to 100, and then back up to 115. But with eight, only 80 percent of um, two-year players, 80 percent of two-two-plus-year players not reaching arbitration, so they end up having to pay 150 people out of that pool instead of uh, 30 people. So that's why the money went up. But either way, nothing's happening. You know, we're supposed to be about a month away from Major League Baseball, and we're not close. We are not close. Like I said, I'd rather be mad about Adley Rutschman not being on the opening day roster right now than mad about the fact that there's no baseball for the foreseeable future. And we yeah. just we just went through this in 2020. They could have been playing in the beginning or middle of June in 2020, and they couldn't get on the same page. They couldn't agree to a schedule, and they ended up giving us 60 games in a bastardized schedule that made even the Orioles competitive for two months. I just, you're killing the game. I have a friend who's a, who's a, who's a diehard baseball fan, not not nearly as diehard as I am, but he's a, he's still a diehard baseball sure. fan. And he said, "This is going to be this is going to be why baseball will eventually die because even when they do, when and if, and I think it's a matter of when, not if, even when they do agree on a new CBA, why would we have any faith that five six years from now when they need to do another one yeah. that they're going to agree then, yeah. like?" Well, the leadership has just got to change. I think that's one of the biggest things. I mean, the, these leaders on both sides are clearly just... Well, that's never going to happen unless every major league yeah. team sells. Well, and, and and Rob Manfred is very beloved by <laughs> the owners. Because he's their uh, mouthpiece. Because he, and he, does, he gets what they want, and that's not surprising because that's his job. I mean, he, he works for them, essentially. But I did find what they went back on. Okay. Um, they went back on the on the minimum salary. That's what they went backwards on on Thursday. Um, and that's what they were... They uh, The union... Was, what was the one they proposed on Wednesday? Uh, they didn't say the numbers. Uh, he just it, This was from Jesse Rogers from ESPN. He just said, and I quote, the league was, wait for it, underwhelmed today. Not thrilled the union went backwards on the minimum salary and the Super 2 issue is a non-starter for them. That was the tweet. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, how have you met this much this week mm-hmm. and you can't get on the same page with anything? You, you, you can't say, well, we want 775K, you want 640K. Yeah. Why don't we do 705k to start? I, d- I don't know why meeting in the middle isn't something that d- that happens. It just doesn't. Like, why not meet in the middle? What is the problem with that? Right? You you see that 214 uh, million number, and you see that 245 million number, and I'm talking about the, the right, right. T- tax threshold. Why not just meet in the middle? It's not that hard. Right. Well, pick well, a number. Meet, <laughs> it's not that hard. I mean, it, it, you know, you pick 230, right? Yeah. It's basically, meet, right meet, in the middle. Meet at 230 million. I mean, and, what's and the let's problem? Call with it a day because the owners don't want to spend more money. Yeah. They yeah. just don't. It, it, what it comes down to, honestly, is that the owners are cheap. And then the players know they're going to get paid less too. Yeah. So and they, they just they just don't want to spend more money. But and guys, look, we're doing this show. It's a weekly baseball show. Trust me, we would rather be talking about anything else anything. on this show. Right. We know that the constant CBA talk, look, we're annoyed by it. We know that you're annoyed by it. we got to put on the show, and this is the only thing going on. Next week, I won't be here next week, but mm-hmm. the following, you guys can talk about and the following week, mm-hmm. we can talk about minor league spring training. And hopefully, by the time I'm back in this chair, mm-hmm. there's a deal in place. There should be. There should have been a deal in place a month ago. Yeah, there really should the, the, yeah. the, like the, We've talked about it ad nauseum, waiting 43 days to even have a meeting. You know, going... You you basically had you knew this was coming since April of 2020, right? And you didn't get any. It's been two years, yeah. and you haven't gotten anything done. Well, you said we saw the the precursor to this last season with the or 2020, excuse me, uh, with the 
coming to, coming together on a schedule and when to start during the whole pandemic and everything being shut down for a while and you know it, it ended up happening it was a 60 game season Which and sucked. it was kind of not really a legitimate season and we saw that hey these two sides do not get along with each other mm-hmm. we knew that right then and there well, th- and th- those two sides should have realized that and started working on this then we i remember pulling into a parking space at the grocery store by my house and mm-hmm. they were talking about they may have agreed on an 80 game schedule yeah. and then later like nope they don't agree on it it's looking like it might be a 60 game schedule starting at the end of January at the end of July if they can't yeah. figure this out and i remember sitting there then and there and we're yeah. talking early mid june mm-hmm. and thinking they are never getting a cba done yeah. this yeah. Th- there's going to be a work stoppage in 2021 22 mm-hmm. Because they're never going to agree. They can't agree on a simple thing like putting an 80-game schedule together. How are they going to agree on anything else? It's absolutely maddening. And look, starting Monday, the minor leaguers are reporting the spring training. A lot of them are already down there thanks to our our buddy Eric Garfield who's down there posting all these videos. And they're looking good, you know. It's, It's... that's what we're seeing. We're seeing those videos that he's posting. And, uh, you know, God bless that man for giving us something to look at that's actually baseball related. <laughs> you know, yeah. we can you and you and Ryan next week when he fills in for me can talk about that. We can talk about it in two weeks when I'm mm-hmm. back. Uh, that's what we want to talk about, guys. We know you don't want to hear about the CBA. It's all we got right now. It's all we got now. Look today on the rest of this show, we got Stan coming up in a, in a matter of moments. Um, so we're going to talk to him about all this. We have Eric Arditi from Barstool Sports at 11. That's where we're going to get into some actual Orioles talk. And the last hour is really just going to be baseball. Um, so Eric Arditi from Barstool Sports is going to join us again at 11 o'clock. Then we're going to do sounding off with Zach Goodman. We've got Orioles banter coming up. We're going to talk about the players that we're looking at this spring that we really want to see step up in the minor league system. And then we're going to close the show with some Orioles trivia from Zach. To me, last week I, I trivialized him, and he's going, to, he's going to get me back today. So, yeah, don't want to keep talking about the CBA, guys. We, we really don't, but this is what we got going on right now. So, uh, But for those of you sticking with us and tuning in to hear us talk every week and give our opinions on something that we just hate, uh, we certainly appreciate it. With that in mind, we've got Stan on the line with us right now. Stan the fan, Charles the Grand Pooba of Press Box Sports. Stan, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. How you doing, Paul? We're doing all right. Zach and I were just talking about how tired we are talking about the CBA. They just can't get on the same page, Stan. Uh, the one thing we've seen them agree to, other side from the Universal DH, is now apparently both sides have agreed on the framework of a draft lottery. The last we heard... Major League Baseball proposed a four-team draft lottery. Uh, the Players Union countered with seven. Uh, what are your feelings on this? What number do you think they're going to fall in at? Uh, I, I don't see any downside to going with the players. You know, let the players have a win here. You know, I, I don't. You know, I don't. I, I can't imagine why they're bickering over these three spots. You know, that really aren't going to make a huge difference in anything. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I think concept conceptually they're on the same page. It's just you know, I you know I, I'm sick of talking about it too. But frankly, there's not much else to talk about when you talk about baseball right now. Right. But but you know, I was very surprised. You you read these little write ups afterwards, and initially it was like no movement, and and then I read like at twelve one o'clock last night that. The commissioner and Tony Clark were at the meeting together for the first time. Um, I don't know. To me, that's 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 real progress because those are the guys that have to cut a deal. I figured they were there all along. No, this is I the didn't first realize, time yeah. they've met. This is the first time they've met face to face. 
do you think that now there's even more of a sense of urgency since Major League Baseball's, well, I guess we'll say soft deadline. They're calling it a hard deadline, but it, it's really just puffing out their chest. Do you think that there's more urgency right now than there has been before because now they're two days away from this so-called deadline? Well, because it it, it brings, first of all, it in in harsh reality, it, it brings the, um, the prospect of losing games, you know, regular season games. I mean, why they've been so cavalier with losing the preseason, you know, is is mm-hmm. beyond me. But we are where we are. I, I certainly think there's some more urgency because what what's going to happen now is when they start missing, when they actually start missing games, you're going to have another issue come up that's going to be a pretty expensive issue, and that's that the players don't want to lose paychecks, even though the games won't be played. So they're going to be demanding. That's a whole nother, um, you know, quantum leap into something else that they're going to want to be paid their back pay yeah. for five games or ten games or fifteen games, whatever it comes down to. So uh, there is more urgency to it, but I think there's a very easy key to that, and that is the expansion of the playoffs. You know, so Stan, that, uh... that easily pay, that easily has the owners pay the players. So that doesn't become an issue, and um, you know, and and then they go on from there. So, with this expansion of the playoffs, we're seeing a lot of people against the expansion of fourteen teams. Uh, I guess they think it would be the baseball, the baseball playoffs would be watered down. But the way I look at it is now you get a three game series for a wild card, and you have more cities, more teams, fan bases that are invested in the season. I don't see why. That's a well, bad thing. It, it definitely it definitely waters it down because you don't want a team that uh, comes out of nowhere. Frankly, you, that 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 defeats sort of the 162 games that was supposed to have meant something. Mm-hmm. It it will mean less. Um, I'm hoping personally that the 14 team playoff would would expedite a lessening of regular season games by six or eight games, you know, take the season back to 154 games and, and get the playoffs started a little earlier. Well, that's, you know? that also means the ownership will be losing more money. Cause they, we're seeing they're making like Not six really. They'd game. make, they'd make that up, you know, they'd make that up on the, uh, postseason, no. you know, TV package. Stan, there was a, I mean, they're estimating that's a hundred million dollars. Yeah. Stan, there was a tweet yeah. from uh, Buster Olney this morning that I wanted to ask you about. Uh, he what, said, "What's this? A tweet?" Yeah, from Buster Olney yeah. at ESPN. He said, "A lot of club staffers and agents strongly believe a draft lottery will only have a slight impact on MLB's tanking problem." Now, it seems like a draft lottery is something they're kind of coming to terms with. It seems like they're starting to agree on this. Um, it seems like at this point it'll be implemented. How much of an impact do you think personally this could have on tanking? Because I personally, I don't, I don't see tanking as a huge problem. I think it's a good way to, uh, you know, get back up on your feet and and revitalize a farm system. And I think there's some benefits to it. Obviously, there's some drawbacks for competitive balance and everything. But what do you think about that tweet? And do, do you agree with Buster? Um, I think that just the fact that they're 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 starting to to have some agreement on a couple things yeah, is, is a real positive, positive to me. Uh, I will tell you this: smart fantasy baseball leagues for 15 years have been doing exactly this they've been they 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 have been fighting tanking 
to try and have some competitive balance within their leagues. And they have taken away for the last place team has never gotten the first pick in in their in their next season's draft. Yeah, so they've been they've smart people have come to this conclusion that that teams that are bad and yeah yeah it's a nice way to clear the decks and start over again but um is it really fair to the other teams that you play kind of a horseshit team every day you know yeah is it, it is it fair that the the Yankees are going to beat the Orioles you know uh 17 to 1 every year you know yeah um you know, and especially when you have some divisions like that where there's two or three bad teams, like say the National League West has Arizona and Colorado, that means you've got a couple teams. Their record is artificially, you know, is artificially good because of how bad the teams are in their division. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely frustrating to watch when you see your team go out there and you want to root for them every night, and all they do is lose. There was a a couple years ago, the, the Orioles won two of the first three games against the Yankees, and then they didn't win again the rest yeah. of the year. It's yeah. it's certainly frustrating, and hopefully we can eliminate the tanking. I, for one, would love to see the Orioles play a much com- more competitive brand of baseball this year. Now, getting back to this uh, the CBA here a little bit, we're getting threats, Stan, on both sides. Um, Major League Baseball is stating a deadline's a deadline. If we don't have something agreed to by the end of Monday, the regular season games can be missed. You're not going to be paid for them. Players are saying if Major League Baseball goes forward that they will not agree on expanded playoffs, which, as you alluded to, it would cost the owners over $100 million. How serious are these threats from both sides, and who do you expect to blink first? Wait a minute, I'm sorry. What are you saying is going to cost the owners $100 million? If the owners cancel regular season games after Monday, um... Then the players. I haven't union, read that, that. I haven't read that. That would cost them a hundred million dollars. I was reading it from uh, Evan Drellick on the Athletic. They're saying that they wouldn't agree to expanded playoffs, which would call not agreeing to expand. Oh, playoffs. oh, okay, yeah, they expanded yeah. play. Well, I already talked about that. That's that's going to be part of the deal, right? And but, that's why the owners really want to tidy tidy this thing up and and try and and you know miss as few games as possible. Right. So my question is, since I know you already talked about that, who do you think is more likely to blink first on this? Because I think that that's something that's catastrophic to both sides, missing missing games. Who's going to blink first here? I think they're, they're both going to end up agreeing to that. That's going to be part of the ultimate agreement that the players, at least for at least for this year, I think you will see a 14-team 14 playoff, and I think the players will get paid. Provided this doesn't go on another sixty days, then the pay, the, then the players really are going to have a hard time getting paid. Yeah, you know? yeah. If, but if, if you, you miss, miss a month of games, if you miss five or seven, nine games, is it really worth getting on your high horse about you know to miss another potentially nine or fifteen games over the fact that you can't agree to give them pay? You know, it's it's a piss in the bucket. Yeah, if, if you get that hundred million dollar TV deal, right, right, Look, and they they apparently know the what the dollar figure is, so that's that's you know, well, and, and that's why they're so desirous of having four more teams because you know if it was only two teams, it's probably a fifty million dollar payout, and they're not going to be so likely to be so forgiving of the players missing games, you know, and pay that. So it's going to to me. 
there's no question that this year is going to be a 14 team playoff. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I guess in the minority that w- they would love to see it. I think it's just better for baseball if you have more teams in the playoffs. But again, that, yeah. that might just be yeah. me. Now, um, the, the two biggest dominoes that need to fall are this collective bargaining tax, uh, basically the luxury tax. The players' union is asking for two hundred and forty-five million dollars uh, for a, a a soft cap. So if you go over that, it's immediately a twenty percent. Um, tax if you hit 20 to 40 million over it's a 32 percent tax and if you hit 40 plus million over the the 245 number it's a 62.5 percent tax where the owners are coming in it's 214 million that they're proposing with a 50 percent tax just for going over a 75 percent tax just for going over 20 to 40 million and a 100 percent tax if you go over by 40 plus million. Now on the surface the 245 looks like way more money, but when you add in the taxes at the end, the the owner's proposal actually ends up costing more money in the long run. We're talking over 500 million dollars if you go over that 40 million plus over threshold. Um Oh, I'm glad you I'm glad you understand that and we're able to recite that. My head explodes <laughs> when yeah, you start talking about that. You well, know, it's clear that the 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 owners want a high, they want as high as possible a luxury tax threshold because that that keeps them a chance to not spend over that and get the tax. The players want as low a threshold as possible, so teams will not be um, disincentivized from going over that figure. So it's pre- it's pretty simple in terms of explaining what the process that. What what both sides want, they've got to find a sweet spot somewhere in the middle. Yeah, and, and actually saying it's the other way around. The owners want the lower threshold but the higher tax, and the players want the higher threshold with the lower tax. The, the owner's proposal actually ends up costing them more money, and basically it's a way of scaring the S out of the owners from spending that kind of money from right. to, to stay under that. That's what I thought I said, but uh, the, the the whole thing is so it's so confusing to to yeah, put I it mean, out there. It really it's, is. It's clear that the owners want high penalties and want a a lower threshold, mm-hmm. so they don't go over that. Right. Yep. Yeah. So, and Zach and I were talking about this. the whole thing. Why can't we just meet in the middle? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The players want the lower threshold. The With owners the want the higher threshold. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, but. The, why not just meet at two hundred and thirty million? And then you, you look at the arbitration, the league minimum. Owners want six hundred and forty thousand. The players want seven hundred and seventy five thousand. Why not meet at seven hundred and five thousand and just go from I mean, there? It, oh, we we talk about this every week. That's yeah. sort of what negotiating is supposed to be about. And these people have, you know, dawdled, and uh, they look. Uh, I'll tell you, they look especially both sides. Really out of touch with reality right now. Yeah. With uh, in the country fighting back from a pandemic, a war going on in Europe, they really look out of touch. Yeah, they yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's a very do. bad look for the sport. Now, Stan, minor league spring training starts on starts on Monday, so we're going to get to see the likes of Grayson Rodriguez and Adley Rutschman and Colton Kalzer and Kobe Mayo and Gunnar Henderson. All these guys. Are you looking forward to, to minor league spring training? Are you going to be more in tune with that because it's all we have right now? Not not particularly. No. <laughs> I mean, what, how, what is my way well, to get in touch with that? You know, I was going to say I'm not going. I'm not going down to spring training because of this. Yeah. If they uh, if they give us some coverage some way 
of actually being I mean, able to yeah, see I'll, I'll read it and I'll soak it up because, you know, I'm preparing for my, you know, fantasy baseball draft, so I'll want to know as much as about the prospects, but it's yeah. not the same as having games, you know, where, yeah. I'm, yeah. where I'm seeing a game here and there on ESPN, yeah. a game here and there on MLB Network, a game here and there on Masson, you know, and suddenly I've watched 10 or 12 baseball games, you know. I, honestly, I think that uh, I think minor league baseball could do themselves a big service if they get the minor league baseball TV up and running for spring training, so, <laughs> so that maybe we can watch some of those spring games. I would I would watch them if I get to watch Adley and Grayson. And here's the thing: just just put an iPhone out there and start recording. Like, yeah, it, like, it, like you Eric could, does. You can right. I mean, just live stream these things. It, it would be you could put an iPhone on a tripod in center field, zooming in a little bit, put it on Instagram Live, and and live stream it for free. Some of these. Yep. Some of these broadcasts look like that's what they do. Well, that's honestly. but I, I would I would enjoy that still. That would be you know cool. if a station put up random camera shots at all the different facilities, you know, and we're we're able to somehow well you wouldn't you wouldn't even really need a broadcaster. People would watch. They would go to a website dedicated to just sights and sounds of spring training. You know. Yeah, I I miss the popping of the mitt and the crack of the bat. Like that's that's what I'm looking forward to. Like normally, this is when Zach and I start getting really ramped up for the season when we're super excited to get things going. And right now, we're sitting yeah. in the stands still. Now, I do want to ask you one more question before I let you go. I was reading an, an article or a Q and A between Dan Connolly and Keith Law, and Keith Law has famously uh, ranked the Orioles lower than his than his colleagues at different uh, news sites. Uh, mm-hmm. He has the Orioles farm system ranked 10th. And when Dan Connolly asked him why does he have them ranked 10th, um, whereas everybody else has them either 1 through 4, and he says mm-hmm. because the Orioles don't have enough of that international free agent pipeline. None of those guys have, ma- have matured and graduated to the, to playing in America, except for Prieto, mm-hmm. who hasn't even played here yet. Um, do you agree with his take? He said that Orioles fans should be excited that they're even ranked as high as 10th without the international pipeline. How do you feel about that, and do you think that maybe he's undervaluing what we have here? Um, I really don't know enough about what exactly we have in the pipeline. I just know that if that's the difference between first, second, third, or fourth, imagine what it, what it would have been like if they hadn't put the investment they have already. We right. we kind of know that they don't have the cream the cream of the top, you know, prospects in international scouting right now. You know, that they're not spending uh inordinately, but they're but they are making a true investment and I'm just I'm I'm happy on that and I'm not going to focus on whether we're first, second, third, fourth or 10th, you know, yeah. because of that. You know, it's it's got to be better than it was two or three years ago, right. and it's and the, these rankings are all subjective. Just like whoever's in the top one hundred, they might not be better than somebody who's in the top two hundred. You know, you you, right. you never really know. I mean, the bottom line is, in two or three years, we will have a couple players on this team. I don't know if there'll be significant players on the major league roster, but there will be a couple, two or three players. Hopefully, a pitcher that that comes out of nowhere that's got a big arm that they wouldn't have had. And that's that can be a huge difference when you're doing well in the draft and other, you know, areas of signing players. Yeah, and then once that uh once the, the the Dominican Baseball Academy is finished in about a year from now, 
I think that's going to help them get more signings in the international free agent market because they have a state-of-the-art facility that's better better or on par with the best in baseball. So I think that that's important, too. I'm really excited to see. It seems like they're spending more money each year. They were the one team that had, they had like $100 left from their uh, bonus slot spending, right. which is it's great to see because every other team that was in the top five with the least amount of money left was like over $300,000. So it was cool to see that they spent all of their money. Right. Stan, you know, that, that is really the, uh, the, the, the and, and the big deal, we, we know when they sort of announced Kobe Perez's signing a couple of years back, mm-hmm. he, he immediately built himself some time by, by he and Michael Elias talking about that. This is not going to be an immediate pipeline, but because it takes time for our people because we've been so out of touch down there to build up the relationships. And in this, which I think is sort of year three of the real intensity being put toward the international Mm -hmm. Latin American, especially you saw that a couple of the signings they had were basically relationship signings that, that the players were offered more money, but had been attached to the Orioles for some time and that's one or two of the better players they signed this year. Yeah, and they ended up getting a guy for about two in Cesar Prieto. They got him for about two million dollars less than he was going to sign with the Astros for because of which his. Is, which is the guy that that actually could end up being by sort of like May or June the starting second? Is that Prieto, the that, second baseman? That's that's Prieto. Yeah, he. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's the one that has the really high on base percentage and the great hit tool. He's been compared to Nick Madrigal from the White Sox. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the guy to keep an eye on for this actually this year. And the Orioles have never. It's been a long time since they've had anybody international that there was even the thought that they might come in and help that year. You know, yeah. and this guy might actually help this year. Yeah, we're doing an Orioles banter segment a, li- a little bit later in the show. We're going to talk about the minor leaguers that we're most excited to see, and he's right near the top of my list because I think he could be – I don't think he's going to be a world beater, but I think he's right. somebody who can get on base and, and not strike out a ton. So I'm, I'm excited to see him play. All so, right. Stan, what do you got coming up this week? Um, I've got Thursday night, and it turns out that you guys on the Glenn Clark show are going to have him on Thursday morning. Uh, retiring uh, – semi-retiring – Bruce Cunningham, who's going to be uh, out at Fox after a long, long run there from the mid-'80s. I think it was the mid-'80s. 91. It's 91. 91. Yeah. So long run for Bruce, and uh, we're going to have him on this coming Thursday. Ross and I haven't uh, put our heads together. We'll come up with something for Monday night at 6 o'clock. Uh, I have no doubts. So I'm actually not going to be here, Stan. I'm actually going to be in Florida playing my own baseball tournament next weekend. Oh, so good. It's, it's going to be good. Zach and Ryan Blake taking the helm here. So, Stan, uh, all right. great as always. We will talk to you next week and hopefully better news. Yeah, right? hopefully we'll we'll be getting close to some actual real baseball talk. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for you. You have a great okay. weekend. Okay, talk to you later, guys. Bye. See you. That was Stan the Fan Charles, who has two great shows for you every week. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. Stan, as always, had a busy week this week. He and Ross chat with former Orioles pitcher Mike Torres. He also caught up with Visit Baltimore president and CEO Al Hutchinson. While he and Gary had a great conversation with former Baltimore Sunwriter Don Marcus about his new Lem Bias podcast, which I would love to check out. Find those shows under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressbox 
Online.com slash video coming up on Monday. Stan and Ross will have another great show for you. Guests still in the works for that. And on Thursday, Stan and Gary will be joined by Fox 45's Bruce Cunningham to talk about his upcoming retirement. Today's show is also brought to you by... Uh, it's brought to you by... Brought to you by... Uh, hmm... Toyota RAV4. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out a buy, check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. When we come back in, we are going to do some sounding off with Zach Goodman. It's the bet around. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGambling help.org. The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Glory Days Grill's winter seasonal menu is back with comfort classics like their house-made meatloaf and short rib grilled cheese. It also features the center-cut sirloin with grilled shrimp, the char-grilled pork tenderloin, grilled meatloaf sandwich, smoky thigh wings with Alabama barbecue sauce, and a Brussels and bacon appetizer. All of these items pair well with Devil's Backbone 8-point IPA or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. And try their seasonal cocktails, Blood Orange Burger, Bourbon Cider, Apple Ginger Mule, and Captain's Hot Cider. Find out more and get your order in today at glorydaysgrill.com. Great food, good sports. Hey guys, it's Paul Valley, and there's a new era of Glenn Clark Radio as I've joined Glenn every weekday from 10 a.m. to noon. There will be some changes, but what won't change is the absolute best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. New Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. He is Kevin Zeitler. Uh, thank you, very happy to be a part of this. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Quarterback for the University of Maryland, Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be on. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. You can watch us live at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. And podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. And we're back on the bat around here. That's a that's an old uh, Jimmy Fallon skit with uh, oh, yeah? 
with Ben Affleck. If you haven't seen the best of Jimmy Fallon on SNL, go. Oh, I've seen a lot of Jimmy Fallon on yeah, SNL. Go, uh, Love it. Go check that out. That's his. Um, yeah. That's his thing. And we're back. Uh, today's show brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. The wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Bet on every sport with 51 self-service kiosks and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. A win And win your share of $10,000 cash by signing up for Live Rewards Cash Drawing April 1st. That's the FanDuel Sportsbook that's now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. We are back mm. here on the batter. I'm Paul. He's Zach. Uh, Zach's about to sound off on something I'm looking forward to. Go for it, my man. Yeah, so an article from CBS this week uh, talked about Major League Baseball's possibility of playing games this year and in the coming years uh, inside former Negro League uh baseball stadium so i guess the ones that still exist and i'm not sure which ones are still there uh but there are a few that still exist which i think is very cool i think this is an idea that is going to be very profitable for major league baseball and very i i'm always i'm a sucker for historical stuff like this i love it's history fun. baseball history is awesome i i think i compared it to the field of dreams game last year because it's a random Chicago White Sox New York New York Yankees game in the middle of the week, right? Like I had no reason to really watch that game. I it's it's a random game. But you put it in the field of dreams and you see guys hitting the ball into the corn and all this historical value with it with the movie and everything and the the context of it. It makes it awesome. And and they got a ton of viewers. It was it went, you know, crazy. I mean, they got way more viewers in that game than than they did and the All-Star game. The game was Awesome. It was awesome. And, yeah, it was a great game. T- Tim Anderson with the walk-off yeah. home run yep. into the corn. Exactly. It, it was it was a, an epic Right. It, it it was an epic arena for mm-hmm. it for lack of a better term. Yeah. Uh they were in the spotlight and yeah. it was the game was everything you could have wanted it to be. And there was legitimately no other reason to watch a midweek game like that except if it was that the I mean, Field of if Dreams? You love baseball. If you love baseball, sure, but it's Yankees White Sox, and and you you don't see a lot of people in Baltimore randomly turning on the Yankees White Sox games. Yeah, I watch. No, it's true. I watch the Yankees once in a while if I've you know because yeah, I love baseball, network. but and I do have yes network, but you know it's it's just not something I do all the time. But if you put it in the Field of Dreams, you put it in a Negro League stadium, I will watch that stuff. That's always Zach cool. loves the Yankees. I I've, I, I've, I don't I've love come the Yankees. To realize he's always talking about their prospects. No, I he's don't. Always talking about how he has yes look, network I, well, and he watches look, their I, games. I, I do. I think I have respect for the way they operate. I I mean, they they operate in a, a constant winning fashion, and they're still putting smaller payrolls on the field than some of the yeah, other teams. But so they they win in the regular season. They, they do, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, at least they get a there. lot. A lot has changed since uh, since Steinbrenner passed away a long a long time ago now, and a lot a little bit has changed there in the winning culture of it. But I still think they're. A, I mean, they still win every year. They just, they haven't won a championship since right, 2009. Yeah. So, but but uh, to finish this off, I just want to say like this is very positive for the future of the game. You're going to attract more young people, um, and you're going to attract a broader audience if you're if you're doing special games like this. Because look, I mean, 162 game season gets kind of monotonous after a while, and people that's one of the big complaints people have about baseball. Oh, it's slow. Oh, the season's too long. That kind of stuff. You put it in a Negro League stadium, people will watch. Yeah, I almost no, guarantee I, you. And honestly. Since they've added the Negro Leagues mm-hmm. to baseball references being part of Major League Baseball's yep. all-time stats, yep. it's bringing more attention, which deservedly so. It should have always had the attention on it. It's such an archaic yeah. thought process to not have the Negro Leagues count because it was professional baseball. Yeah, of course, it's not yeah. their fault they weren't that they were that they were born the race they were born and weren't allowed to play until 1947. So it's important to get it done, and it puts a lot of emphasis on the Negro Leagues. And people yeah. are going to do their research and figure out the teams that played at these fields, and they're going to learn more about them. I love that I go into Coles now, and in the Orioles and Ravens section, they have the Orioles. Uh, they they have Baltimore's. 
Negro League t-shirts. I did not know that. Yeah, I, wow. I went in there a couple of weeks ago, and it was like the Baltimore Gray. Uh, it's That's cool. Yeah, they, the, uh, Baltimore had two Negro League teams. I can't. One of them was the Baltimore Gray, and they, I believe, and then there was another one. I can't remember what they were called, but they sell the shirts yeah. for both at Coles. Was know? it like the Barons or something? I yeah, the wrong. Baltimore Barons or something. It might be or, or something, like that. something like that. We could look it up. We have the Googs. Um, but the no, Googs. The Googs. Uh, but no, that's. I, I think it's huge. I yeah. think it's really yeah. important for baseball. Now, how they agreed to do this, or, or um, I don't believe yet. They're, it's just something they're considering at the moment. Gotcha. No, I, I think that it's. Um, I think it's an important thing. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad to know that at least it's in the works. Yeah. Um, because you can't put. I mean, Josh Gibson, one of the greatest home run hitters of all time. Yeah. They, they haven't even. If you look up his numbers on Baseball Reference, he doesn't have a. It's ton not of home legit, runs right? B- because they don't have all the stats from those. That, those numbers are about 500 home runs short, yeah. at least. <laughs> yeah. I think they have him at like 165 home runs. He hit like over 600. Uh, and, people and, say yeah. he hit over 800. Is that, yeah, people so, say yeah. he hit it's, over it's, 800. I mean, I mean, the Satchel, guy was incredibly talented. Satchel Page was pitching in the major. I think at 59 years old. Yeah, with the and, Royals. And, yeah, yeah, with, and he went three innings of one hit ball in that one yeah. outing with the Royals. Uh, I mean, these guys so are cool. some of the best baseball players in history. Nobody talks about them because they were born black in the early 1900s, yeah. late 1800s. It's, and frankly, Satchel, Satchel Page fair. did have a little bit of a career before in his 40s, I believe. Yeah, he did. Yeah. I, I believe it was with Cleveland, and then he uh, yeah. pitched a little bit with with uh, Kansas City, but. He should have been pitching in the majors long before that. Oh, 100%. Long before that. So, no, it's, it's a good sounding off segment because it's really important and people do need to be paying attention. So, look, we got Eric Garditi coming up here in a few minutes. We're going to talk some actual Orioles <laughs> baseball with him. And um, just as a little uh, preview of our Orioles banter segment, man, like, we, like we've been saying, at least we can talk about minor league spring training. I don't know how much coverage we're going to get. I don't know who around here is going to be covered. I mean, Steve Molesky should be on top of it because sure. that's, yeah. that's what he's the minor league guy. guy. Um, but I'm just excited to hear about how Adley Rutschman's looking this spring and how yeah. Grayson's looking. And we see all those videos from Eric Garfield, but yeah. I mean, so half the time we don't know who the player is. It's in the batter's box. You're not mm-hmm. really seeing these guys pitching. Apparently, Carter Balmo's looking pretty good in his side. Did sessions. not know that. Okay. Uh, Dean Kramer was. Um, it's a big year for Dean Kramer. Again, we're, I'm what's not Kramer gonna, doing? Because he's on the forty man, so he shouldn't be there. I, I mean, he's warming up on his own. Oh, you mean? Okay, got gotcha, you, got gotcha. you. There's there's okay. videos of him throwing on his own and looking good. Kyle Bradish apparently has has uh, looked good in his side sessions, uh, preparing for the spring. So uh, a lot of stuff that we're going to talk about here in Orioles banter uh, in about twenty five thirty minutes. But oh man, hopefully that's what we talk about on the well again. I won't be here. I'll be in beautiful, sunny Florida. Mm-hmm. But um, hopefully that's what you and Ryan can talk about. And then when I get back in two weeks with a fresh tan, we'll see. Uh, I'll be able to talk about that a little bit more. And hopefully by then, man, we'll be talking about Major League Baseball. Yeah. If they don't have a deal done by the time I get back in two weeks, what are we even doing? Right, the, right. The deal I, should be done by Monday. We, yeah. We, again, at nauseum, at nauseum. But uh, why don't you go ahead and give Eric a call now? I think he'd be okay with, with us calling him a couple minutes early. Um. Yeah, so while he's doing that, I just want to point out that today's show is also brought to you by a new show with myself and Glenn Clark called Simply the Bets. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and myself, Paul Valley, every Wednesday morning at 1130. Vandal Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VSIN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even to offer a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Wednesday at 1130 a.m. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. You can also watch at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports if you feel so inclined. And I feel so inclined to talk to Eric Arditi from Barstool Sports right now. Eric, good morning. How are you today? 
What's going on, boys? How are we? Uh, we are we are good. We are excited to have you on, man, because we can actually talk a little bit of baseball uh, instead of uh, these collective bargaining agreement negotiations. We are going to ask you about it's the first thing, and then we're going to move on. What is your take on the CBA negotiations at this point? My my biggest takeaway, at least what I'm focusing on, is is I'm obsessed with the, the reporters um, posted up in the parking lot just taking pictures and videos of them walking in. Like I like to it. it I, I I it's like I'm picturing a tailgate scene and guys are just sitting in their cars, being like, "Oh, there's Manfred, take a picture." Oh, there's Scherzer. There's Scherzer getting out of the car. There, there's Francisco Lindor. Um, I don't know. I to me, that's just that that's the funny part to me. Um, obviously, everything else is super concerning. Um, the fact that, you know, by Monday, there's, there's a, a, a high chance that, that we're going to know that we officially won't have, you know, the baseball. I, I know they've already canceled games until what, March 7th yeah. or whatever. Um, but I mean, you know, it, it, every day that this stuff doesn't get done, it's, it's, it's going to, it's just going to snowball into, you know, us missing more and more games. Um, I know today was supposed to be the first spring training game for a lot of teams. The Orioles and Yankees were supposed to be on today obviously not happening and and it doesn't seem like they're any they're much closer i know yesterday there were reports that um that they that that we you know some of the stuff had been i i, I guess they were agreeing on some of the stuff not not many things but overall it's just, i mean it's super concerning and it sucks that that we're in the position that we are and and again it just doesn't seem like there's any doesn't seem like there there's any, there's much optimism for anything getting done soon so so you're cut from the same cloth as Zach and I when it comes to baseball. How are you coping with the lack of baseball right now? That we should be getting amped up for another Orioles tremendous season, and instead we're sitting here talking about are they going to play at all? Doing a lot of MLB the show, a lot of yeah. show. Um, I know the new one comes out in a couple weeks, so I'm getting my my fill of my uh, 2021 in. You know, I've already traded for Wander Franco, Shohei Otani. Uh, Elias and and that regime have uh, just completely overtaken. You know, I mean, they they they've cracked a lot of eggs and, and made a pretty good omelet in Baltimore in uh in my version of the show. But other than that, I'm I'm kind of doing what everyone else is doing, and and I'm watching some NCAA baseball. Um, you know, it's 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 fun. It's it's electric. There's there's tons of games on. The weekend for college baseball is awesome. Um, that's pretty much how I'm getting my fill in. And you know, if you're not watching NCAA baseball, I. I highly encourage everyone to do it it's oh yeah it's it's very exciting again i mean some of the names blake money for lsu last night against Towson, mm. um tommy tanks of course down at nc state hitting i think seven home runs and in, in the yeah. first like five college games it's it's been a lot of fun and again the, the season's only like two weeks old so the show and ncaa baseball that's how i'm getting my baseball fill do you even care at this point what comes out of the of a new deal as long as we get baseball back i really don't i if, i i just I, I kind of just want baseball. Um, obviously, I'm not a player. I'm not getting paid by MLB, so it has zero effect on my my bank account or anything like that. And I understand why you know why they have you know why they're worried about it. I just want baseball at some capacity. Um, I don't care if there's a draft lottery for the first four spots. I don't care if there's a pitch clock. I don't care. You know, just I, I just need baseball. I, I don't want to be going into April, May, when it's, you know, 75, 80 degrees outside, and I'm going, man, you know what? I'd sure love to be at Camden Yards right now. And, and I get on Twitter, and I see videos of Rod Manfred still, you know, walking across this parking lot to the player side trying to talk about something. In, in, in his um, white leisure pants and his pastel-colored shirts. Yeah, like, like I, I, he, just, he looked like a dad on a Saturday morning. Like, that's, <laughs> that, that's, how, he, that's how I'm going to look in, in 30 minutes when I'm going to PetSmart. Nice. Um, 
He's just, <laughs> yeah, I just, I just, I want baseball. I just, I don't care what comes out of it. Just give it to me. Well, you're, you're getting a little bit of baseball back on Monday when uh, minor league spring training starts. Uh, that, and that basically includes all the Orioles top prospects aside from DL Hall. How much are you anticipating minor league baseball with what's going on on the major league side of things? We, I, I'm super excited. Um, I, I'm definitely, in, you know, obviously if you're an Oriole fan, you have to be invested in the minor league. Right. Because um, that's where that's where 90% of the talent is right now. Um, and not just talent. I mean, it's the big names. Like you said, everyone but DL is basically is going to be there. Um, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm just looking at the list now. It's Adley, it's Grayson, it's Gunner, it's Colton, it's Westberg, it's, you know, Heston, Kyle Bradish. Connor Norby. I mean, these guys are exciting and fun players to not only watch and pay attention to. I mean, this is the future. We've been we've been building this up for years and years and years. It seems like, and now it's like again, if if you're not going to a couple Bay Sox games, if there's no no um, no major league season, you know, for the early part, then then you really are missing out. Um, Again, even head up to Aberdeen, go to go to Delmarva, go to those places. I know Norfolk's a little far, but make the road trip out there. Um, I'm I'm super excited though for for the the minor league and and again to just see where Grayson starts, you know, and and how these guys progress. And like I, I'm I'm very excited to see what Colton Cowser does in in a full season of minor league ball. I'm I'm just. There's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about the minor league season. Oh, absolutely. Let's get, let's get into that a little bit. Fangraphs is the latest publication to come out with their uh, prospect rankings. They've got six Orioles in their top 100. Adley Rutschman, of course, number one. Grayson Rodriguez ranked as high as number three. D.L. Hall at 27. Colton Kalzer, who you just mentioned, at 40. Gunnar Henderson at 66. And Kobe Mayo at 69. Starting with, with Grayson Rodriguez, how awesome is it to see him ranked so highly? And how good do you think he can be? I, I love seeing him rank that high because, again, for years and years and years, it was the Orioles can't develop a pitcher. You know, we saw it. We saw the the, the road bumps that they came into with Bundy and Gossman, and obviously what Gossman has done now is awesome. But there's been that, you know, ever since Eric Bedard, they haven't been able to grow. You know, Bedard, Mussina, one of those guys, they haven't been able to grow a home, grow a talent, uh, pitching talent. And Grayson seems to be just shattering that. You know, he he hopefully he makes us forget all about the failed the cavalry and, and everyone else like that. Cause it seems to me and, and not, not just me, cause my opinion doesn't count for craft, but <laughs> all the big baseball writers and everyone around the sport, he's the real deal. Yeah. You see how high he is ranked on all these lists and the things people are writing about him. And, and he seems like the, the absolute real deal. Um, I saw him pitch, I think twice last year at Bowie. Um, I, I hope that they kind of let him go a little longer in the games. Maybe we see him go over that or even get near the 100-pitch mark, you know, sometime this season, because obviously it's well-known they didn't let him do that last year. I, I'm, I'm really excited to see him, and I, I really do think we'll see him up in, uh, up in Baltimore at, at some point. But, um, again, if you haven't gone down to Bowie um, and seen him pitch, I know last year I think he hit 103 on the radar gun a handful of times in uh, his first start there. So I, I would make it a point to get down there and see him if you haven't. Yeah, I don't know how involved you were with it. I know you were there, but how, how much of spearheading did you do on that gas-up game that they had with him down there? So I I think I helped coin the term because, like, I, I – so, again, I would just see them all tweeting about each other. Obviously, Grayson and DL are all friends, and Adley, they're all buddies. You know, Gunner, throw Gunner in there. They're all really good friends. And so when DL would do something, Grayson would retweet it. And then, you know, Grayson – and then DL would – would say something back. So I was just like, Oh, look at these guys. They're gassing each other up. I throw the gas can emoji on there. 
they're all gassing each other up. And then that's when our buddy Ryan Blake, I think when it was announced that Grayson was starting, he said something like, hey, can we bring our gas cans to the game? And I texted Ryan right away. I was like, yo, I'm like, I'm 100% going to see if we can do this. Like, let, like, let me text someone I know with the, with the Bay Sox and let's see what we can do. And it came together super quick. So I, it was a nice group effort um, between, I think, Ryan and myself and, and just everyone else in Orioles Twitter kind of catching on. Because like I, I know I talked to Grayson about it, and he's like, yeah, I'd, I'd open up my my Twitter after a game, and my mentions would just be full of gas cans. <laughs> that's awesome. And it's like, that's, that's what we want. We want something fun like that. We're trying to, you know, get something fun like this going. So I'm, I'm happy it caught on. I don't know if uh, they're going to let us do it every game. I think it would be fun if – if he's down in Bowie, um, I could 100% see him not starting in Bowie. But if he's in Bowie for that opening night, I, I'm going to petition again to see if they'll let us bring gas cans into the, uh, into the ballpark. Uh, yeah, man, they got to put you on payroll. I think you were solely responsible <laughs> for getting 6,000 people to that ballpark last summer. That, that was, I was, it was, that was so an cool. awesome night. That, it was like a Tuesday night, and yeah, I think they said there was like five or 6,000 there. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a great crowd. Yeah, it, it was. Unfortunately, I wasn't there because I had to work, and I found out about it too late. But it was from everything I heard. It was just an awesome, amazing experience. Now you talked about Grayson and how you're hoping that they're going to let him go through a lineup a third time and get over that hundred pitch threshold. We had Kevin Goldstein on Glenn Clark Radio the other day, and he helped compile the FanGraphs uh, top 100 uh, in the Orioles' six prospects. He didn't put a lot of stock into Grayrod's lack of innings because he says. No pitcher in the minor leagues has taken the hill 32 times and throwing 108 in, 180 innings in a year. They're all kind of at the same level. With that in mind, does that give, get you more enthusiastic if you can even be much more enthusiastic about Grayson Rodriguez? Yeah, and that's a good point. Again, I mean, you, you don't see these minor league guys making 30, 31, 32 starts, um, which is something I, I, say I never even really thought of. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and I don't know. Again, if it was like a philosophy thing with, with the organization and Elias, you know, I don't know if it was just the like, hey, just for Grayson or just for any of these top guys, don't let him get 100. Um, maybe, I mean, they're just trying to stretch him out. But, um, again, I mean, his numbers, his numbers just don't lie. He only threw 103 innings last year, but 100, 161 strikeouts. Right. That's, it says something. And, again, I mean, the, the 23 starts, it's good. You know, it, it shows that that, that – they're building him up a little bit, but yeah, you know, it's it's. I'm not too concerned that they're not letting him go at the 100 pitch marker, you know, through the lineup the third time. I I think they, I think they know what they're doing with him. I think they're just kind of handling him with with bubble wrap right now. Yeah, as as they should be, just because the injury risk with all pitchers these days, all the torque on their arm throwing. Like you said, he had 103 at one point a few times last year. You got to be careful with the arm. So I get it. Now you you even mentioned him. You can't mention Grayson Rodriguez without mentioning DL Hall. They're kind of like almost like a package deal when you talk about one. And then the other, this seems like a year, Eric. It's his, it's D.L. Hall's fifth year, going into his fifth year in this organization. I get it. He's a guy out of high school, so he's still young. Um, but he's never thrown more than 90, 90 in the third innings in a season. Last year, just the, 70, just the seven starts and the 32 innings. Striking out 16 batters per nine innings, but he gets that stress reaction in his elbow. Misses the rest of the season. How big is this year for D.L. Hall? Kevin Goldstein of Fangraph said that he's a high relief risk, meaning he has a, a good chance of becoming a reliever. How badly do the Orioles need him to stick in this rotation? I think they definitely need him to. And, and like you said, I mean, I, you know, we, we had DL on the podcast this week. And so I was going over, you know, his Wikipedia. I was looking at a bunch of his high school stats. And I, I was looking back and I was like, holy crap, that's right. You know, this is fifth year. You know, he's drafted in 2017. That's, that's a long time ago. And yeah. it's like, yeah, it's, it's, we're not getting close to the, you know, crap or get off the pot. But it's, I mean, again, five years. 
you would kind of expect a guy like that to be up. And obviously, with the COVID year, that's a wash. Um, and and he has he's battled through the injuries. And and last year was a was a big it was a bummer because I mean the way he started out, you you were like this guy's going to be in Camden Yards this year. Like there's 100 percent he'll be there. And then obviously, but the the injury was tough because you know it was announced that it was like oh they're going to take some time off they're going to let him heal. And then, obviously, we all know what happened, and it turned into that stress reaction, and, and we never saw him again, and, and for good reason. I mean, there's, there was no reason to push him right. um, and make that injury even worse because, again, he didn't have to have surgery, didn't do anything. Um, he just had to rehab it. And I know he said it was a long, lengthy rehab. I know he told us it had been six months uh, between throwing a baseball for him, which is, he said, by, by far the, the longest he's ever gone without throwing a baseball. Um, and, again, I mean, that's to think about that is scary. You know, again, you have – a, a top three prospect in your, in your organization, he'd be a top prospect in a lot of other teams um, camps. But if your number three guy went six, six months without throwing a pitch, I mean, it's scary. And, and like we said, I mean, he's 23. He, he's, you know, again, his fifth year, he's, this is a big, huge year for him because this is the year that, you know, we're expected to see Grayson. We're expected to see Adley. We're expected to see some of these other guys jump up into the majors. So, I, I would love to see him with Grayson. I, th- I mean, it would be awesome to see them go up together. Um, and, and you know, the, the big knock, I, as we all know, on the Orioles, um, their their prospects is they have the two big guys and then their pitching guys, there's, there's not much else. Like you said, there, there may be some bullpen arms. So if he falls into that bullpen arm category, that's that, 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 that may take some excitement away from, like, this farm system is number one, this farm system's top three, because then it kind of drops down to, well, well, he's just a reliever. Well, he's a two or three inning guy. And, and again, you're not drafting high school kids in the first round to be a, a reliever, you know, a two or three inning guy. If he turns into a Josh Hader, that's a different story. Or, you know, an Andrew Miller in his prime. But they drafted him to be one, you know. He, I, I said something to him the other day. I said, you were drafted before Grayson, so you're kind of the big guy. You know, you, sh- you should have, you're kind of the senior in the class. And, you know, they drafted him and Grayson to be that one and two. So that's, that's ideally what you want from him. Um, and, and so, I mean, I'm still holding out hope that he can be a legitimate, you know, two or three starter. Um, it's just this year and his health, it's, 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 it's going to be a big one for him. Yeah, man. And like we were saying, he got off to that tremendous start, 16 strikeouts per nine innings, 15.9, but we can round up to 16. Um, how much of this – and look, I know you're not a doctor and you don't even play one on TV – but how much of this stress reaction you think is on him just trying to gas up too much? Maybe he needs to stop trying to throw 100 and can throw 95 and be effective with, it, with all of his other secondary pitches. How much do you think that has an impact on what he's doing? Yeah, I mean, it very well could. Um, again, and that's kind of what scares me if he does become a reliever because we've seen some of those guys who, you know, you know if you're coming in for one inning, you're going to let it eat. The, you know, the big dog's going to eat. You're going to let every, you're going to give it all you got. Um, as opposed to a starter where, you know, Hey, I'm going to be out here for six or seven. I don't have to go hundred percent on every pitch. I don't, you know, you don't have to tip 99, you know, 94, 95 is okay. Um, so maybe that was it. And, you know, again, maybe it was the adrenaline him being out, you know, he's back out there with his buddies. You know, I know he was at the camp, you know, in 2020, but they they basically missed the full season. So he's back out on the mound. His adrenaline is, is just bumping. And maybe he was getting up there and chucking it and, you know, looking up at the radar gun a little bit. Um, and again, I mean, it's hard to fault any kid for kind of being exciting and, and wanting to get out there and show, you know, your, your manager and, and your friends and your teammates and the fans, you know, hey, here's what I can do. 
it's just at times we have to know, like, hey, we don't need you to throw 99. You know, we we, we need you to make 20 starts, you know, if for, for double-A and probably bump you up to triple-A and maybe even the bigs this year. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's a good point. Maybe he was all jazzed, you know, jazzed up and, and was trying to throw it as hard as he could, but I don't, I'm not sure. And for what Zach has talked about, he has all the pitches. He just he kind of lacks the command for the strike zone right now. Maybe by taking a little bit off the gas to get longer in the games, he can find the strike zone a little bit more and kind of expedite his process to the major leagues. Somebody who's really expediting his process in the prospect rankings is Kobe Mayo. And the Orioles, they took him in the fourth round in 2020. They gave him a seven-figure signing bonus to take him and get him to forego his commitment to college. Uh, he's ranked number 69 on Fangraph's top 100. He's been projected by some to be maybe the best offensive prospect in baseball by this time next season. What are your thoughts on Kobe Mayo, and how much are you looking forward to seeing his first full season in pro ball? I'm just drooling thinking about a full season of Kobe Mayo hitting home runs. Um, he's again. I mean, I, I'm I'm drinking the same Kool Aid everyone else is with him. I love you know I, when I saw him at 69 on Fangraph's, I was. I mean, that's he. I think he was. Wasn't he just one of the first ones out on Keith Law's list? Yeah. I believe, or one of those lists. Yeah, I, I um, think it was Keith Law's. Yeah, yeah. I, I know he was. You know, on the the next five in or whatever. Um, it's great. I mean, again, this is. It stinks at the time when when a team goes under slot and people just crap on the decision and say, "Well, this is their cheap blah blah blah." And Kobe Mayo is is one of the perfect examples to look at because, like you said, he was slated to go to Florida. He, I'm sure he thought he was going to go to Florida. They draft Heston, you know, you save some money there. I think that was the same draft, right? The 2020 yeah, draft? Yeah. Yeah. They draft Heston, you know, they go under slot, and then they get him later on, and it's like, this is why you draft Heston cursed at number two. Yet you get, a, you get a really good player, and guess what? You do save a chunk of change, and you can end up getting, like you said, arguably one of the best offensive prospects in, in the minors, you know, possibly next year. That's why you do it. And and it, it it seems to obviously we don't know it seems to it seems like it's going to work out for them because again he he the MLB has him listed at six five two fifteen he's probably probably bigger and weighs more than that um, yeah. he's going to be an offensive force and I'm I'm very excited to see him um, and again it's it just kind of he's he's just one of the good examples to show these people who kind of clown on the underslot just be just to say a team is cheap. They're not cheap. The teams know what they're doing. And again, you can find a guy like Kobe Mayo later on who probably wouldn't have gone to college or, you know, he, he would have gone to college, but Hey, guess what? He had some extra pennies to give to him. And now again, you've got an absolute weapon. Um, a guy who, I mean, he's built like a refrigerator. He's just a massive person and hopefully he's going to hit baseballs. I'm, I'm here to say, I hope Kobe Mayo, he's going to make us forget about the left field fence getting pushed back. Yeah. I'm, I'm I think it's safe to say that none of his home runs would have changed with that uh, left left field fence pushback. So I, I'm very excited for him. Um, I, I think I think he's going to be a lot of fun to watch the next couple of years. Yeah, and, and honestly, I think it's awesome that just about everybody else around baseball is as high on this guy. I think Keith Law is the only one that doesn't mention him. Um, people are very high on Kobe Mayo. I'm very excited to see what he's going to do. Now, you mentioned the wall. We haven't talked about the wall in a couple of weeks. Um, we certainly haven't talked about it with you. What are your thoughts on them pushing that wall back, raising the height of it to 12 feet? A lot of people are worried about home run robberies. You see most of your home run robberies, though, in center field anyway. Uh, are you really that upset about this wall being pushed back? I feel like I was one of the, the people who was kind of defending the wall. Yeah, I was um, too. I, 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 don't, I didn't mind it. Um, 
And and I didn't mind it because it wasn't like Mike Elias and Sig and them came out and were like, we want to change something, so we're going to push the wall back. Right. You know, and it's like, well, why? Uh, we don't really know. We're just going to do it. It's like, no, they, you know, you heard them talk about it, and they have these stats, and they, and they, you know, they have everything to back it up. And obviously, I don't know Mike Elias, but reading and seeing everything he does, he's not just doing this on like a, a whim. It's like he has, he knows what he's doing. And, and again, if they think it's going to help the ball club, they're going to do it. And, and again, like, like they pointed out, we all know free agent pitchers don't want to come here. They don't. And I don't blame them. So if this helps get one, two, you know, three guys over a couple of years, absolutely. Like, why would you not want to do this? And I get people being upset, being like, it's Camden Yards. This is one of the best ballparks in the country. Why would they change it? It's like, yeah, it, it does. Cosmetically and optically, it's going to look weird for a while. I, I think in a couple of years, we're not even going to remember. And, and again, it's a, at the end of the day, it's a wall. I had someone tweet at me and say, the Orioles will never win a World Series after they push the wall back. That's and I ridiculous. said, if you think that, you got to stop watching this, this sport then. Like, that's, I, I mean, I don't, I don't even know what to say about that. That was one of the more insane things. Um, I, I don't mind it, though. I, I th- it's going to look weird at first. Yes, I get it. But again, if it helps get some free agent pitchers come in, it's fine. And and I think I also saw someone pointed out. I think nine of the top ten um, Orioles hitting prospects are lefties. So again, it's like it doesn't. It's going to affect some of the guys they currently have with Mountcastle and some of the switch hitters. But I'm not, I, I never lost sleep over the wall. Um, I'm again, me and you, Paul. I think we're we're two of the defenders of it. Yeah, it's going to help you bring in free agent pitchers, and I think that's the main reason. I, I don't think it's because of what their pitching staff did last year. I think the main reason is because they know they're going to have to bring in free agent pitchers, and if you get one of the three deepest ballparks in baseball now out of it, pitchers are going to aren't going to mind pitching at Camden Yards anymore. And I also you have to look at how this regime drafts, and they draft college bats with low strikeout rates and high walk rates that can spray the ball all over the field. I think it actually makes the Orioles a better hitting team because they know, you know what, maybe unless I really get into it and you get into it just by putting a good swing on the ball, I'm not necessarily going to hit a home run here. Maybe try to drive the gaps or put one down the line. I think it's going to make them a better hitting team overall. Now, uh, one last question before we let you go, Eric, and we really appreciate your time this morning. It's been a great interview here. Uh, Keith Law was quite bullish on Joey Ortiz. He says he he looked like a completely different player last year. He changed his swing. He added more power with the wood bat. He, th- he said that he would graduate him into his top 100 prospects next year, but he really believes that if he continues his progression, he'll be the Orioles' starting shortstop at some point this summer. What are your thoughts on that opinion? I, I was not floored when I read that, but I was super excited. Um, and because I, I mean, I, you know, I remember his, his super hot start before he got hurt last year. And mm-hmm. it really, that was one of the, the, the guys that it really sucks to see him get hurt because again, he was a guy who, he wasn't one of these big name guys that, that we've been following with these prospects. He kind of came out of nowhere um, and, and played really well. And I think he may have, was he an underslot guy too? I don't, I know he was, I can't remember exactly, but I, I, I think again, he was a fourth he, round draft pick. I don't know if he was. An, uh, he was fourth round, under, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, fourth round again, probably not an underspot. But again, he's. I mean, he was one of. He wasn't one of the big horses, right. and so when he came on, it was like, holy crap, who is this guy? And and when we had Grayson on the podcast, I had asked him. I said, you know, we know about you. We know about um, Adley. We know about DL. You know, Kyle Stowers. Some of these big name guys. Who was one guy that really surprised you? last year and he said Joey Ortiz and I think he I think he said the same thing um Keith did before 
Keith's article even came out. I think Grayson was like, I thought at one point that he was going to be up in Baltimore, like because that's how well he was playing um, at the beginning of last year. So yeah, I, I'm super excited. And again, that's kind of just another diamond in the rough. I know fourth round isn't like, you know, he's not Tom Brady, you know, 199, but he, I mean, you know, a fourth round pick. It, I mean, that's not, it's not, we knew the talent was there. I, I'm super excited to see again, what he can do with a full health. I hope he just stays healthy. Um, if we get another full healthy season out of him again, I don't think Baltimore is out of the option for, uh, for this year. So let's, yeah. I, I hope Joey Ortiz is a name that we're, we're saying a lot in the next couple of months. Yeah, and there's nobody blocking him right now. Maybe in a couple of years you get Gunner and Westberg up there, but right now there's nobody blocking him. So, Eric, uh, how can people follow you on, on social media? I'm on Twitter at E-D-I-T-T-I-22. Um, got all my blogs and stuff over at Barstool Sports. Um, Instagram is just my name. I just reviewed that new Starlight Coke. I don't know if you saw that or had that yet. <laughs> I haven't. Save save your money. Don't, don't get it. I don't know. If, I don't know if Coke's a sponsor. If they are, I'm sorry. They are. Um, um, yeah. So um, you know, I'll be I'll be posting a hundred thousand times a day until baseball comes back, and just trying to get everyone through this lockout. You know. Awesome, awesome, Eric. Always great to talk to you. Love your enthusiasm. You make the show easy for us. We'll talk to you again down the line. All right, my man. Thanks, boys. Let's meet up soon. All right. Take care. Have a good one. That was Eric Arditi from Barstool Sports. Gracious enough to join us again. Like I just said, man, he makes the show easy. It's, it's, oh, yeah. You get to talk to people that are that enthusiastic yeah. about baseball. and ha- Like I said, cut from the same cloth as guys like you and me. It's always fun to have him on yeah, the show. Always definitely. fun to, to talk about him, um, to talk with him on the show about baseball. Speaking of this show, we're well into the second hour. The first hour is brought to you by Pressbox's print edition with Gary Williams on the cover. The newest edition of Pressbox is available now on the cover. We celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland Men's Basketball 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of the NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport and why his perspectives of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive moments that ultimately ultimately led to them cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farms stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles Ravens and Terps at pressboxonline.com all right when we come back in here on the batter round we're going to do our Orioles banter segment the minor league players that we're looking forward to seeing the most and what we're expecting out of them for this year that and more when we come back on the batter round Glory Days Grill's winter seasonal menu is back with comfort classics like their house-made meatloaf and short rib grilled cheese. It also features the center-cut sirloin with grilled shrimp, the char-grilled pork tenderloin, grilled meatloaf sandwich, smoky thigh wings with Alabama barbecue sauce, and a Brussels and bacon appetizer. All of these items pair well with Devil's Backbone 8-point IPA or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. And try their seasonal cocktails, Blood Orange Bird, Bourbon Cider, Apple Ginger Mule, and Captain's Hot Cider. Find out more and get your order in today at glorydaysgrill.com. Great food, good sports. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. 
After being virtual in 2021, the CIAA Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament is headed to Charm City this February 22nd through 26th. The CIAA is an event that has become a celebration of family, culture, and accomplishments that uplift and strengthen the African-American community. See the excitement in person as some of the best college basketball in the country comes to Baltimore's Royal Farms Arena with the CIAA Men's and Women's Conference Tournament. Get your tickets now at CIAA. AATournament.org. That's CIAATournament.org. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Wednesday morning at 1130. Vandal Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VSIN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all the info you need and even to offer a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Wednesday at 1130 a.m. Brought to you by the Vandal Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio and watch at YouTube.com slash Pressbox Online. The newest edition of Pressbox is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Welcome back into the Battle Round, which is brought to you today by uh, Underdog Fantasy. We can bet on sports in Maryland, but still can't bet online or on our phones. However, you can feel like you're betting totally legally and right on your phone by playing underdog, uh, by playing on the Underdog Fantasy app. Player props, parlays, and traditional fantasy games are available. And even though football season has ended, Underdog has great basketball and hockey games available. And hopefully baseball contests will return before too long. Hopefully. Plus, we're going to give you some free money to play with thanks to our friends at Underdog Fantasy. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app. Use the code PRESSBOX. And whenever you download, up to $100, we will match. That's right, up to $100 when you use the code PRESSBOX with Underdog Fantasy. It says fantasy football. I'm guessing that's what you have to put in. But, yeah, so Underdog, go win some money there. Um, Orioles banter. This is, uh, this is a segment I was looking forward to the most because – Spring minor league spring training starts on Monday, and that's where all mm-hmm. eyes in, in Baltimore are going to be turning for baseball fans because that's all we have right now. And mm-hmm. honestly, it might even be more exciting than Orioles spring training anyway because yeah. the best players in their system are going to be at minor league spring training. We're talking Grayson Rodriguez. We're talking Adley Rutschman, Kobe Mayo, Colton Cowser, Gunner Henderson, Jordan Westbrook, Joey Ortiz. <gasps> Carter Ballmer, Maverick Whoa. Hanley, all these guys, man. Really, really looking forward to the the, um, the minor league uh, spring training getting started this Monday. And with that in mind, Zach, who are some players that you're looking at um, this spring that you want to see have big years and kind of force the Orioles' hand? Uh, you mean for a possible major league debut? Uh, anything, anything. Yeah, maybe may, may okay. rising higher than we thought. Like like last year, for example, Jordan Westbrook was not in the major league plans. No, but he got all the way up. He played at three different levels yeah. last year, and is probably going to start. At, I would imagine at Double A, but move up to Norfolk pretty quickly with a yeah. good start. Uh, 
Somebody like that, or, or a guy that you think could make his way into the Major League roster. Well, I've mentioned them before on this team, but uh, some guys like John Pinto is is a really quality pitcher who you know is, was acquired to trade a, a few years ago, and a guy who could possibly move up a few levels. I don't know if he makes his Major League debut this year, but he's certainly a, a guy, I, I believe only 20 years old at this point, um, who has been a quick riser. Zach Peake, same thing, another guy acquired through a trade. Uh, and, and it's been a very quick riser. So those two are two of the, the arms that I'm looking at for sure. Um, you know, Kobe Mayo, I get the hype around him. He's a great athlete. The power's real. He's everything. He's everything in one package. Um, I definitely want to see how he fares at, at Bowie and Norfolk. I think those are going to be big steps for him if he, he makes he, if he makes it to Norfolk. Yeah, I, I, I think um, he probably. I think his ceiling would probably well, unless he's just hitting three fifty at every level, dropping bombs. I can't imagine making it to Norfolk this with year. the way people talk about him. I don't. I expect it, honestly. I expect him to make it to Norfolk because, it, you know, people are crowning this guy the next great offensive prospect in baseball. So I want to see it, right? Like, I, I want to legitimately see that. And I'm excited to see Mayo because the guy has such raw power and the arm is unbelievable. And we'll see how he fares at third base. You know, obviously, Eric Garfield is one of the biggest proponents that he can stick there. And mm-hmm. I'll trust Eric's opinion because he's seen him hundreds of times down there in Florida. So, you know, I, Kobe Mayo is definitely one of the big storylines, of course. Um, you know, it, it's guys like that that are maybe some of these. Not quite first, second round, third round draft picks, but the guys that were a little later on, um, Zach Peake, I believe, by the Angels was like a fifth round, fourth round pick, something like that. So it's these kind of guys I'm excited to see. It's not the cream of the crop like like your Adley Rutschmans and your Grayson Rodriguez. Sure, I'm excited to see them, but I'm not excited to see them like some of these up-and-comers that are potential breakout prospects this year. And I, I think those three are, are three that I'm really looking at. And I, I do want to mention on Joey Ortiz, because you just talked about him. You were stealing all my thunder, man. You just keep going. I, all right, well, I'll, <laughs> I'll quit here, so I'll let you get word in. But I, I definitely want to – I have a point on Ortiz I want to make. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm just giving you a hard time. No, I, if you look at Ortiz's numbers from last year, I mean, I, I get what Keith Law is saying. I, I get it. It's just not backed up by the numbers. I mean, they were fine. Like, it, it, you look at the Aberdeen numbers. He hit 290, 816 OPS, but he didn't hit a single home run, and he only, you know, only had seven doubles. I mean, it's... How many games, though? It wasn't a ton it was, of games. It was 19 games. <laughs> yeah, not, that's but not a lot. It's not a lot, but it's, it's a small sample size, sure. But I'm hearing, you know, Keith saying, oh, how well he was playing, and that it was just like this this change and he was unbelievable and the numbers don't reflect that necessarily so I'm a little uh, bit confused 290 two average and 816 yeah. OPS I mean and then he, play, he played 16 games as Bowie, in Bowie as well um, and his OPS was 780 so not not, not far awful off. not awful um, I don't know I'm just I, I think Keith Law is a little bit too well, hyped up on uh which on you, Joey can, you, you can never really say Keith Law is too hyped up on players in the Orioles system because and, and he actually it's takes fair. takes shots at the fan base um, yeah. with regards to that saying that people don't like him in Baltimore. Um, that's because like last year he had Grayson Rodriguez ranked like forty fourth, yeah, and everybody else had him ranked like tenth. But that's yeah. neither here nor there. Uh, you look at a guy. I, I don't put a lot of stock into those numbers that you just read off just because of the fact that a guy like Gunnar Henderson, who we think is going to be a major league quality mm-hmm. player at, at, at worst uh, he started like over 27 yeah when he went when he, when no, he got mean, his way up to Aberdeen last year so I, my, I, my point is more is that we talk he talks about this big change that Ortiz made mm-hmm. and that he got so much better 
and the numbers don't just necessarily reflect that. Well, That's he said he said that he in New Mexico State when he was playing there in college, yeah. it was all, it, he had a ton, a ton of power. But it was all metal bat power, and, and not then, only and that. Then we, and then when he switched to the wood bat, yeah. he struggled mightily. New Mexico State also has this reputation for being the easiest college ballpark to hit in. It's right. unbelievable because the air is so thin, obviously out there. And not only that, it's small. It's tiny. It's like uh, if you look at it, it, the place is tiny, and it's easy to hit in. Um, and and there are often guys that hit 400, 450 in that ballpark because they're yeah. just so. It's just such an easy ballpark to hit the ball in. Yeah, but for me, Joey Ortiz is towards the top of my list just because of what Keith Law said, and I think it could be. Uh, he and Cesar Prado kind of put them one A, one B. Maybe not. Uh, uh, Maybe not 1A, 1B, but mm-hmm. I put them right next to each other in the players I want to see because I think that both of these guys, based on what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing, yeah. could be the Orioles' middle infield by the middle of the season. Possibly. You know, I, I, when we had Dan Connolly on last last week, he said, and it, it just goes to show how little I think of Ruth Neto Door because I didn't yeah. even put him in my notes. I didn't even think about Ruth Neto Door and Dan Connolly. He's sitting a nothing there, piece. He, he's sitting there saying he's going to be their everyday second baseman. Until he Michael Franco's his way out of here, yeah. you know. So the the two home runs he hits every week will be nice, but I guess. <laughs> but the the thir- uh, fifteen strikeouts he has every week is is not going to be nice. The glove might be good, but I'd rather if all things are equal, see Ortiz and Prieto up the middle by July. And see what yeah. they can what they can give for the Orioles this I, year. I, I was at a baseball game this week, and uh, there were some guys behind me talking about Roof uh, Door, and they the guy said, "Well, he might hit 198 and give you 20 home runs." And I think that's about the exact uh, outlook that you can give for a guy like that. If he hits 20 home runs, great, but he's probably gonna hit like under 200 and not drive in that many runs and not really be a force and his OPS will probably be in the five or 600 level. Yeah. You, you, and that's, that's not, a, it's not a major league quality. You, you just player. hope that the Orioles with their advanced analytics can get him back to what he was Maybe. around 2015. Yeah. Um, I would take that, but I don't have a lot of hope for it. Yeah, you know what I mean. But so, so on Prieto though, um, I I know a lot of people are really confident. I I think that, that from what I've heard, the Cuban League has been very Watered diluted and ta- right diluted in talent from previous years. Um, and it's not exactly yeah he was the best hitter there, which is something obviously to say, and it's it's important, but it's not as important as it would have been like ten years ago because the talent there just isn't as good apparently is, is what I've heard. Um, so. Maybe we can't put that much into that, and we'll have to see, obviously, how he does at the minor league level. I'm maybe not as high on him as other people. Um, I think he he could become a starting a starting second baseman and a, a quality one, but I think his ceiling is that. I don't think he's much more than a a pretty average starting second baseman. Well, here's the thing. He, he What opened my eyes to him was people were drawing comparisons to Nick Madrigal, and I yeah. love... And the Orioles said that. I, I love Nick Madrigal. Yeah. I, I, I said that I would love it. The Orioles traded Anthony Santander and got Madrigal back because mm-hmm. you can have a ton of home run hitters in your lineup, but you also need guys that can get on base, put the ball yeah. in play, and, and that's what a Madrigal yeah. does. And if Prieto can be sort of that kind of player, yeah. I'm excited to see what he, what he can bring. And... You know I'm into fitness and and working yeah. out and everything like that. Prieto keeps himself in phenomenal yeah, he is. shape. Yeah. You, you don't. It takes a certain kind of discipline yeah. to be in that kind of shape. And to me, I see a guy who's disciplined enough to hit the gym like that and to yeah. eat the way he's supposed to eat. I, I I guarantee you, he puts that same emphasis and focus on his game, and that's probably why he's yeah. such a good hitter. So I, I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, the biggest one, the biggest one though, is DL Hall. Yeah, he, it's, that's it's the, a big that, deal. That's the guy that this CBA, the, these negotiations, this lockout, it's the hardest 
on players like DL Hall, yeah. who got added to the forty man roster. Otherwise, they would have been, and he probably would have been the first pick overall in the Rule Five draft if if they had one and he hadn't been protected by the Orioles. That guy's going one one. Nobody's not taking the chance on him. I look at a guy like DL Hall. He's on the forty man, so he can't go to spring training. He can't go to minor league spring training until this is all figured out. And this is a guy who needs a big bounce back year. Yeah, the numbers were phenomenal, but they were in seven starts until the stress reaction on his elbow. This is a guy that needs spring training, that needs as much action as he can get. Yeah. And he's going to be sitting on the side. I mean, obviously, he's a professional athlete. He's going to be putting his work in, putting his time in. But it's not the same as being at spring training with your guys and and, and working through things and facing live batters and stuff like that. He can maybe go face a high school team, but what really is he going to learn from that? Right. You know? I mean, it's it's certainly a negative. And we and we talked about D.L. Hall with, with Eric a few minutes ago that the reliever risk is really high and the the fact that he hasn't really shown consistent command of any of his of his pitches in the past few years. So there's definitely a lot of a lot of risk with D.L. Hall. And I, I will say right now, I think my prediction for him long term is he will become a reliever. That would be my prediction, uh, because I usually like to not be optimistic. I think that's generally the way that I like to think about things. Is I, I don't want to be too optimistic because you get expectations and then you get let down by them sometimes with, with baseball and, players. And look, you can you look at a guy like a Zach Britton and Andrew yeah, Miller, sure. and these are and a Josh Hader, yeah. all the stuff in the world, yeah. and they were expected to be starters. And next thing you know, they're shut down, locked right. down closers. And yeah. you can make a really nice. Career. I mean, Mariano yeah. Rivera is the only exactly. unanimous Hall of Fame guy yeah. in the in the Hall of Fame, and he was a closer. So look, right. Deal, uh, Deal Hall can make can make a nice. Yeah. A, can make a nice career for himself here, but I look at Hunter Harvey, and if you're spending first round draft picks on two mm-hmm. guys within four years to be starting pitchers, and they both end up becoming full time relievers, that, that's a fail. That's a, I disagree. I, I I I think it's a fail when when you have a guy who throws four pitches like DL Hall does, throws as hard as he does, mm-hmm. uh, and he's a lefty. That's a dude that should be in your starting rotation, and and. I, and we talked to Dan Connolly about it last week. He thinks that D.L. Hall is still, he knows that D.L. Hall is still in the Orioles' plans as a starter. Mm-hmm. This is the year for him to prove that he can stay healthy and get after it. Yes, yeah, so I, I disagree with your notion on that. It's it's a fail. I It's not a fail if he makes the majors. That's simple. It's, it's as simple as that to me, where a fail is if you draft a guy in the first round and he doesn't make the majors. That's that's definitely a fail. But if he makes the majors and he becomes a reliever and any really any kind of quality reliever, I think that's a win for you. I mean, any any guy you draft, he makes the majors. I mean, most of the guys you draft don't ever make the majors. So it's it's to me, it's a positive. Even if he becomes a well, an he, average reliever, that's going, still, that's still he's good. He's going to make the oh. Most first round picks make the, the majority. majors. The majority. They, they make the majors. They may not stay. But they make it because they, they were taking the first round, so they're going to get their chance. I look at a guy like D.L. Hall, and the reason I say it's a fail, Zach, is because he's supposed to be in your starting rotation. And the Orioles have, in my opinion, the Orioles have guys on their roster that can be electric shutdown closers. Yeah. I look at if God, Tanner Scott can bounce back. I look at Tyler Wells. These guys, they can be your shutdown closers. I'd rather get six innings out of DL Hall in my rotation mm. than one inning oh, no every, doubt, every no three doubt. days out of him in, out of the bullpen. So I, I don't so disagree. May, so maybe it's not a fail, but it's a letdown. If DL Hall becomes yeah. anything other than at worst a number three starter, it's yeah. it's a fail to me. But I think a great example 
on the contrary, is, is Archie Bradley. I mean, Archie Bradley was, was one of the best uh, high school pitchers at the time, drafted with Dylan Bundy in that, I believe it was 2011 draft, if I'm right on that. Um, and Bradley became a pretty decent closer for Arizona for a few years there, and he became a really decent relief pitcher. And yeah, I mean, they didn't draft him expecting him to be that, but he came, became that and was a valuable piece. And that's the way I look at it. If that's what D.L. Hall is, that's still a win. I mean, I look back at Alex Jackson, if you remember him. He was drafted six overall in 2014 uh, by the Mariners. And a guy that... It was a it was a catcher with massive power, and he was supposed to be this just phenom. Um, and he he was actually they considered him. I, I think at first overall, whoever was picking that year it might have been the Astros. I think it was actually. Um, and Jackson ended up pretty much flaming out in the majors. He played this year for Miami for 42 games, and he hit. 157. I mean, the guy is not good. He's, he's never going to be a good Major League Baseball player. But even that, I look at as a win because Alex Jackson made the Major Leagues, right? Like, there are It's got, not a win. Just getting there doesn't count. I disagree. Uh, I, I disagree. Uh, the, I, think that's, I think that's still a positive for your organization. So you think that DJ Stewart being on the Orioles roster is a positive? I don't think it, it is now, but the fact that he made the majors at all is still a positive, yeah. I don't look, if, if you're drafted in the first round, you should make the majors. Anything yeah. less is a failure, and... Uh, Get, but get, there's so get, many guys that don't. Get, that's, get, what, that's what I'm saying. Get, getting up here, yeah. But I mean, there's a thousand guys drafted every year. I mean, getting yeah. getting up here and then taking a fly ball off the head and hitting a home run and striking out twelve times in a row to me is not a success. It's a we brought you up here because you're a first round pick and we got to see what you have, but you failed. That uh, like, D- here's D- a- DJ Stewart as a first round pick is a failure. It's a fail. Yeah. You can't you can't convince me. But is it the same otherwise. kind of failure as the six overall pick in twenty fifteen Tyler J, who we've never even heard of, right? Like, no, it, it, no, but it's still a fail. There's different there's different levels of failing. You can get you can get a fifty nine on the test, and somebody can get a six on the test. You both fail, but you got fifty three points higher than that person did on the test. It's still a fail. Yeah. Yes and no. no. Nothing about DJ Stewart, except for his OBP, is is a win. For the Orioles, and he can't hit a fastball. The guy can't hit a fastball. Yeah, I mean, there's just if like I'm just looking at the 2015 draft, just for example. Um, I mean, you go through this list: Tyler J, Cornelius Randolph, uh, Trenton Clark, uh, Brady Aikens. Brady Aikens a famous case. He actually didn't sign with that that year with with Cleveland. Um, I mean, there's so many guys: Ash Russell, Bo Burrows. I mean, Taylor Ward. Who are these guys? These are all first round draft picks. Bo, DJ Bo Stewart Burrows, was in that. Bo, Bo Burrows was once a top prospect for the Kansas City yeah. Royals. And I think he's he's in the majors now. Is he? Okay. Or, or, I, I think he's I at least been to the ma- I think he's been to the majors. But again, this was a guy who was supposed to be a top offensive yeah, prospect. Exactly. And it's a fail. If if you get drafted in the first round and you get to the majors and you fizzle out pretty quickly, that's not a win. So Bo Burrows has played uh Eleven games in the majors, and he has a ten seven ERA to show for it. <laughs> so yeah, ten I mean, seventy. I thought he was a hitter. No, he's a, he's a pitcher. Who am I thinking of? Uh there's some probably another Bo. Bo Naylor maybe. That's probably. I think that's Bo, who I'm thinking. Bo Naylor of. for Cleveland. Yeah, yeah that, that that might be it. But I, I, to me, I look at get being a first round pick and simply making it to the majors for that person for that player. Yeah, you you achieved your dream. You made it to the major leagues for the organization. You got there and you didn't stick. That's a wasted draft pick. That's an right, absolute fair. wasted yeah. draft pick. Fair enough. Um, now, and then speaking of Deal Hall, Deal Hall, it's not going to be, if he becomes a shutdown closer for the Orioles, that's not a fail. I probably spoke out of turn there. That's not a fail because they got a quality pitcher out of that. It's just not what you expect. It, but it's not what yeah. you expected. It's not what he was supposed to be. And a guy who's going to become an elite closer isn't ranked 27th on a top 100 list mm-hmm. to be a closer. He's yeah, ranked 27th 100%. to be a, a, a legitimate left-handed starting pitcher. 
Uh, especially when we when we talked to J.J. Cooper and he said that sometime by next year with a good season, D.L. Hall could be the number one pitching prospect in baseball because everybody knows Rodriguez is probably graduating this year. But the whole D.L. Hall thing, and if he doesn't pan out, we've heard it from so many people so many times that the Orioles have nothing after Hall and Rodriguez as far as starters. That's why this next list of starters is who I really want to see a lot out of. And I'm talking about Dean Kramer, and I'm talking about um, uh, Michael Bowman and Kevin, uh, Kyle Bradish and Kevin yeah. Smith. A- and then on the lower levels, Zach Peake and Drew Rahm. Yeah. And, um, oh, yeah, Drew Rahm's another great example. And, and, and uh, John Pinto, like you mentioned. And another guy that we haven't really talked about too much, what was his name? He pitched for Arkansas. Blaine Knight. Blaine Knight. Yeah. These are guys that, and Blaine Knight, to his credit, he started out his minor league career on fire. Yeah. He he went up to Frederick and he was not good. Yeah. Then he came out last year and he pitched really well and he got promoted to AAA and he was not good. This no. is one of those guys who kind of adjusts. Yeah. And I want to see the adjustments that he makes. And I'm also interested to see when Rutschman got to Norfolk, their entire rotation got better. Their entire rotation got better. So for me, I want to see these guys pitching to Rodriguez in camp. I want to see what they can do in minor league camp. Once Major League Spring Training gets going, call them over, see what they can do there, and then see if they can help your Major League club. These pitchers are going to be the lifeblood of this organization at some point because we know that they have the hitters. Everybody knows they have the hitters in this organization. Yeah. It's What's going to happen with the pitching, and are they going to go out and have to spend $25, $30 million a year right. on a starting p- pitcher in free agency because they just don't have the arms in their system? The reality is no, because they won't be able to. I think that's the the, the reality of it. And I what think, do you mean they won't be able to? I, I don't think the Orioles will be able to spend 25 to $30 million on a guy. I just don't see it. Um, I know they did it with Davis, but I, I just don't. And he, he was about $20 million, I think, per year. I just don't see these kind of contracts ever really being given out by the Orioles. I don't it, see it. You either adapt or die. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I just think we're looking more in like the 15-20 range oh, as opposed to like... 25 third, but with inflation and everything and salaries going up then you might be right you also have to think about the fact that the Orioles in 2016 2017 2015 mm-hmm. their payrolls was was above 160 million it was yeah so but they, it was still they, middle of the pack though right but it, it was top half it was top half of the league it was like 15 yeah yeah they and they said look when, when we're ready we're gonna go spend the money I, I, I don't think that this is a Tampa Bay Rays organization. I really, no, not, I, not, I, not, not, definitely not that long. I really I mean, don't. I, I, do I think that they're going to have, I don't know, Garrett Cole and Shohei Otani in their rotation? No, but I think they might get a couple guys from that next year. Somebody that's going to command $20, million a year. I think they'll get somebody like that because they're going to have to. If you put all this, yeah. if, you, if you invest this much in a rebuild and you're pushing your wall back, because we, and we know you're doing because you have to go get free agent starters. Yeah. You're not just going to keep signing Jordan Lyles in, yeah. in, in the offseason. you got to go get people that can take the bump for you every fifth day and give you a, a legitimate chance to yeah. win. And look, you're going to have Grayson Rodriguez for about five years mm-hmm. on, a, on a smaller deal right. until you ex- unless you extend him quickly. If that's your competitive window right there. Yeah. like Well, th- that's the other thing. The part of this rebuild is that they don't have a competitive window, that their window is wide open for the foreseeable future because of all the drafting, everything coming through the pipeline. That's the whole point of this rebuild. Not for another yeah. five-year stretch like 2012 to 2016. It's for a 25-year stretch. It's for what we're seeing with the Astros and what we've seen with yeah. the Yankees. I don't disagree. I think the reality of that's a little bit more difficult to keep it competitive every single year because of how good the division is. And mm-hmm. that's simple. That's just the simple fact of the Yankees are great. 
the Blue Jays are great, the Rays are great, and the Red Sox are great. So that's the really tough part about it. Uh, but hey, I do, look, if that 2012 to 2016 Orioles team could win more games than all those teams, yeah, sure, it, it can happen again. But I, I would argue that those teams right now are better than when the Orioles were going to that stretch in, in 2012. Yeah, but the Yankees I, had just won a World Series not the, that long ago. But the the Yankees are a third place team. And this, actually, yeah. they might be a fourth place team in this division yeah. as they're currently constructed. Now, if they go out and they sign Carlos Correa and then they get I don't know whoever the next the best starting pitcher on the market is, that changes. They need help in their rotation. Yeah. They need help in their bullpen, and they need guys who aren't beer league softball players in their lineup. Um, but no, when I when I look at the Orioles, and that's the whole point of building this this farm system and getting the international prospects at Dominican Academy. Yeah. The whole point of all of that is so that. Not everybody's going to be here their entire career. Right. You know that. So if Colton Kowser comes here and he plays here for five years and he's one of the best outfielders in baseball mm-hmm. and then he gets $30, $40 million on the free agent market a year, okay, he's gone. The next guy in the system, come on up. And now it's your turn. It's, it's Hudson Haskins' turn or something like that. Now that would be less than five years from now, but you get my overall point yeah, here. Yeah. That's how you stay competitive. So you're not spending – on eight players every year, you're spending mm-hmm. on one or two free agents every every other year. And letting the farm system take care of the rest. Exactly. Yeah. No, I I think that's definitely what they're most likely the avenue they're going to take. Um, but I I will say this too. I think that as far as acquiring pitching, I think trades will be more common than free agency. I think that yeah, it's going to be way easier, uh, especially with the the pipeline the way it is. Yeah, but look, like I said, adapt or die. You're going to have yeah. to find a way to spend money. Or you're not gonna, you're not going to do anything. I mean, they, they're going to have to sign probably one per year, maybe two per year. Quality starting pitchers, not Jordan Lyles. Quality well, starting pitchers. Well, and Jordan Lyles, I think, can be a fifth starter in any rotation. Yeah, probably. If he's going to give you if, yeah. if two out of every three starts is pretty damn good, and he's gonna he's gonna give you 180 innings. That's a quality fourth or fifth yeah. starter. But if rotation. you're signing guys the one year deal, then it's gonna have to be one or two at least. Yeah, and and it, I don't think that they're gonna have to go out every year. Now, you, look, if you go out, no, I'm sure they'll get some three. If, if you well. go out next year and the top three in your rota- the top four in your rotation are uh, John Means, Grayson Rodriguez, D.L. Hall, and uh, Michael Bauman. Mm-hmm. Okay, you need to go get. I mean, you're probably gonna sign a guy who can be a spot, so maybe a Jordan Lyles type of, pit- of pitcher, and yeah. then maybe you go out and you sign. I don't know, just spitballing Justin Verlander. Although I think he did just sign a two-year, fifty-two million dollar deal with the, with the Astros. Astros. Yeah, but you go out and you sign one of those guys, and then you have all those guys in your rotation. Yeah, for a few years, and then after that few years, you go out and you sign somebody else. So look, I, I I don't run an organization. I wouldn't be sitting here doing this show today if I had the the, the quality of mind to be a general a general manager. But that's kind of what they what they outlined in this plan is. You know, we'll add the pieces that we need to. I don't think it's going to be an every year thing. It might be an every other year, every mm-hmm. three years type of thing where they need to add somebody. But the whole point is to get good and stay good. Uh, I think yep. the, the Orioles are on track there. Definitely. No, definitely. Now, Adley Rutschman, man, we were talking about it. How do you look at Adley Rutschman if he becomes, instead of becoming Buster Posey or Joe Maurer, he becomes Matt Wieters? That's still a great career. Yeah, I look at that as a win. But people look at it as a failure. People look at yeah. people look at Matt Wieters, and because he didn't, it's just not the right Jesus, way to look at it. it though. It's not. <laughs> it's people, not the right way. I don't think it's a failure. Matt Wieters was a three was a three time all a four time right. all star and a three time Gold Glover here. I mean, he, and and the Orioles pitching was far better when he was here, and, and yeah. plays at the plate. He called everything. I mean, I was gonna say it, if you're looking at Matt Wieters and his time here he was in a Baltimore. He was definitely a success. He wasn't the guy that people thought he was. But 
And the reality, most prospects aren't the guy people think they are. Matt Wieters is a top three catcher all time in Orioles history. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, it, it, it's, it's him, it's Chris Hoyles, and it's Jim Gentile. Yeah, yeah, and, I'd agree with that. Yeah, and, and all all apologies to Rick Dempsey. And, and Sirhoff is maybe in that conversation. Sirhoff wasn't somewhat. a catcher, was he? No. He, Am I wrong on that? Sirhoff oh, okay. caught for the Brewers at the he, beginning. He, of I was going to say, I swear he caught for the Orioles. No, he he. I think he may have gotten. I wasn't a, alive a, during the time. I think so. he may have gotten a game or two, but he mostly okay. played third base and left field. Because I had a I had a baseball card of BJ Sirhoff in for, catcher's gear for the and, Brewers. And he was he, but no, he was a he, it was in catcher's gear for the Orioles is what I remember. He it may as. have done it in spring but training. I th- I know maybe, that he maybe was he was their emergency catcher, and I think he was drafted as a catcher. You know, he was the first overall pick in the draft when he got drafted. Yeah, exactly. I love BJ Sirhoff. He was awesome. Well, clearly I don't love him enough because I I got his position wrong. But I, uh, I always remember B.J. Sirhoff as a catcher. I don't know why. Maybe yeah. uh, he, he did it. He came yeah. up as a catcher. Yeah. But with the Orioles, he was primarily third base and left field. And I know he, he was doing some catching instruction for them for a little while. Mm-hmm. He was he was one of their minor league catching instructors. Like a, a, He was roving. Because when I worked at Aberdeen, he would a lot of times be there and helping out these guys yeah, uh, he, catching-wise. So he I got, don't know. He, he got drafted as a catcher. You don't yeah. get drafted as a catcher if you don't know how to do it. All right, so B.J. Sirhoff, not a top three catcher in Orioles history. No. but um, And you can maybe even throw Dempsey somewhere in that conversation. He's, he's, top ten. He, he's top Five. He, he's yeah. he, he's definitely a top five because yeah. of what he did in the World Series MVP and all sure. that. But we, you can make the argument that the best catcher in Orioles history is Chris Hoyles. Oh, uh, he, he, is. The, he is. He is. Offensively, he was uh, twenty five homers a year. Yeah. I mean that was he had. A, I, there's no question in my mind. He is. He definitely is the yeah, best. Yeah. And then and then like I said, Jim Gentile. He's he's right there yeah. with him. Had a big a few big years yeah. for the Orioles. And then Matt. But the whole point was Matt Weeters. Yeah. Adley Rutschman. He's being hyped to be the, one of the greatest players in the history of the franchise. Right. That's the way he's being hyped, and it's a little unfair to him. It's a lot of pressure on him. Uh, do I think he's going to come up and hit 300 his first year? Absolutely not. Right. But I think that he's capable of hitting 260, 270 and dropping about 20 uh, yeah. th- this season. 100%. No reason, in my opinion, for him to not start on opening day. He should be. He should be there. And, and again, if he turns into Weeders, just to finish my point there, that means he's a great defender. And the guy is winning gold gloves behind the plate, and he's going to hit at a reasonable rate. Not, you know, not the MVP slugger that everyone expects, but he'll if hit at a reasonable rate. If he's Matt Wieters, he's not an MVP, but no. he, he's an all-star gold glove catcher yeah, who hits about 250. It's a good player. Yeah. And, and that's that, the Orioles, I'm telling you, would view that as a win. I guarantee they would view that as and a win. You look at you look at the catchers around baseball, most of them don't do that. You have like three catchers in baseball yeah. that can hit like that. So yeah. it's yeah, and when we when we had um uh, Kevin Goldstein on the show the other day. That's basically what he said. He said, "Look, if he doesn't become the Messiah, if he's just Matt Weeders, yeah. that's not a fail, not at all, because not one player doesn't save your franchise. Right. You know, he's not the guy that's going to save your franchise. He's just going to be a big piece of it. Yeah. So if he becomes Matt Weeders and everybody else around him does what you expect him to do." That's a damn good catcher. He still hits probably sixth yeah. in your order. See, if Adley Rutschman came up and he was a bad baseball player and he was, you know, hitting his on base percentage was two eighty five and he was hitting a one fifty four, then that's a failure to me. Yeah. He made the majors, but that's a failure. He's the number one overall pick. That's a little different than a guy like DJ Stewart to me, I guess. But yeah. um, my first my first round pick. Uh, I guess opinion is a little bit different than a number one overall pick because that's just a little. There's a big difference there between a guy who's drafted 25th overall like Stewart and a guy who's drafted number one overall like Rutschman. Um, so yeah, if he made the majors and he was nothing, he'd be a failure. But um, if he's Matt Weeters, that is far from a failure. That is a that is a good quality player. That's a maybe three four more player a year. Yeah. I don't know what Weeters was in his prime. I'd have to look that up. But I'm assuming uh, he's probably, he was he's around about a three or four. Yeah, player. And it, maybe two but, and a half in his bad years. Yeah, but it was most his defense, really, right? Definitely is, yeah. is what kept him up there. I'll tell you some other guys I'm really interested in seeing is uh, this th- these first basemen, and we're talking about um, um, Mundy 
and yes. Dashbach, yep. and who, who's the other guy? Um, T.T. Bowens. T.T. Bowens. I, I, for some reason, I, I know there's a T in there. I can never remember his name. These are some guys, that, because let's be honest, Ryan Mountcastle probably isn't your future first baseman. That's a guy that you're going to hit fourth in your lineup, DH. and he's going to and he's going to yeah. DH and dr- just drop bombs. Um, except they they built a wall. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, but Dashbach has the defense. Mundy was one of the better hitters before he ended the season injured. T.T. Uh, Bowens. A lot of people are really high on him. I want to see if somebody can really separate themselves from the crowd this year at first yeah. base and give the Orioles an option. Patrick Dorian is another guy for yeah. third base, and maybe he can play a little first base too because he's close to the majors, and I really want to see what he can do, yeah. see if he can build upon a strong double-A season. Uh, and then Kyle Stowers yeah. because, look, the season that he put up last year was phenomenal, yeah. but all you hear is he has a lot of swing and miss yeah, lot in, of his, in his swing. Massive uh, uppercut. Uh, so nobody really talk, is talking about him right no. now. Uh, I want to see if this guy can prove that last year wasn't a fluke, that he can yeah. put up the same numbers at AAA and get himself to Baltimore by July, yeah. June, July, and prove that he belongs here. I think earlier than that. I think he's going to be here by May. You I really, think so? Yeah, I, I think Stowers is a quick call-up because I think it's going to be lack of better options there um, because you've got guys like DJ Stewart on your roster right now that you need to trim off the roster at some point. I don't think DJ Stewart makes the opening their roster. Oh, I hope not. I, I, I hope I, not. I, I don't think he does. <laughs> I, I think that... I don't know what he's done to deserve that. Like, Ryan McKenna has a better chance. No, I'm not Ryan, a big fan there either. But I'm not a big fan there either, but he's a ball player. When he goes... He to, anytime that he got sent back down to the minors, he hit. He did. He yeah. hit really well. And the defense is so phenomenal yep. with, with that new, uh, the, a bigger park now. Yeah, you're gonna have Hayes in right field, McKenna in left, and Mullins in center yeah. to run some of these balls down. That's that's what I'm looking forward to. Offensively, I'd like to see a little bit more, but it's up to McKenna to. I like him better than I like Joey Rickard. Oh, 100 percent. You know what I mean? Yeah. But but like it's up to McKenna to go out there and prove that the bat can play at this level because yeah. the, the glove, the speed, the defense, they're major league ready. The sure. bat, not quite there, but. He could do a lot for himself this year. Definitely. And one thing on Doshbach, real quick. I'm not a big fan of him, um, just based on what I've seen. Because great again, interview. I, I yeah, he he is a great interview. I'm not the biggest fan of him. Um, I don't really see the bat playing at the majors at this point. But Mundy, I do really like Mundy. And TT Bowens is a guy undrafted, but probably would have been a sixth, seventh round pick if they hadn't had five rounds in 2020. Um, he's a guy that could definitely be a, be a piece in the near future. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. Hey, good segment. It was a good segment. Good Very segment. good segment. Good segment. Now, I uh, just want to remind you guys again that today's show is brought to you by the CIAA Tournament. Today's championship Saturday at the CIAA Tournament. It's an event that has become a celebration of family, culture, and accomplishments to uplift and strengthen the African-American community. See the excitement of the title games in person as some of the best college basketball goes down at Baltimore's Royal Farms Arena with the CIAA Men's and Women's Conference Tournament Championship Games today. They're probably going on already. Yeah. Get your tickets now. Now it's CIAATournament.org. That's CIAATournament.org. we got to catch our final break. When we come back in, Zach's got some trivia for me to close things out on the bat round. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGAMBLING help.org that first sip that first bite mm. 
Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. After being virtual in 2021, the CIAA Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament is headed to Charm City this February 22nd through 26th. The CIAA is an event that has become a celebration of family, culture, and accomplishments that uplift and strengthen the African-American community. See the excitement in person as some of the best college basketball in the country comes to Baltimore's Royal Farms Arena with the CIAA Men's and Women's Conference Tournament. Get your tickets now at CIAA. AA-tournament.org. That's CIAATournament.org. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. And Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Let's have you Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out BuyAToyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. It's TBA music. That's true. It's now the Batteron. It's now the Batteron. We just looked it up. BJ Sterhoff never played a game as a catcher for the Orioles. I don't know what I'm talking about. He called over 100 games like six years in a row for the Brewers, but by the time he got to the Orioles, he was kind of done with catching. Hmm. Played 316 games at third base for the Orioles. Played in the left field a lot. Uh, but never a catcher. You sometimes wonder how these things make it in your mind that he caught for the Orioles. I don't know. I just always if remember look, that. If for you him. look, well, the first six years of his career, he was a he was a catcher. Yeah, a- and exactly. like a ninety to one hundred and twenty seven game catcher. Yeah. Uh, so that's why. Yeah. And and if you, I think his first baseball card, he is wearing catcher's gear mm-hmm. with the Brewers. So he was drafted number one overall as a catcher. Sometimes you change positions. Bryce Harper was drafted number oh, one yeah. overall yep. as a exactly. catcher. Yeah. And. Um, now he plays right field. Yep. You know, so that's just something that I always thought happens. Bryce Harper should have been a center fielder. I don't know why. I I always thought he had the arm for it. He had the the range for it. I mean, he's he's a really good outfielder for he the is. most part. He is. I, I I it's not pop a popular opinion around around these parts, but I love Bryce Harper. Oh, me too. I'm I a, love I'm, Bryce I'm Harper. I'm a big Bryce. The, yeah. the flack that he gets from from people like all that dude does is hit 280. Yeah. Drop thirty bombs, close to hundred RBIs, and get on base in a near five hundred clip. Yeah, uh, like maybe not near five hundred, but well over four hundred clip. Yeah. The guy is a da- he's he's on track to be a Hall of Fame player. Right. And I remember when he was in his first year, they had this black and white Legends of the Game um, commercial on MLB Network, and Bryce Harper was was prominent in it. I'm like, 
let's not anoint this guy. He's still in his first year, and now he's on yeah. the Hall of Fame track. Well, that's when ESPN put them put him in uh, the top 100 as the 94th best player of all time, and I was like, really? I don't know. That was that, that was this year. That right? was this year, yeah. and I'm, I think that was way a little bit overzealous, if that's the word for it. Maybe they're projecting what, maybe when, when, when he's yeah. when his career is is all said and done. Oh, definitely top 100. He's going to be probably a top 50 player. Yeah, I would of, agree. of all I would time, agree. you base his own base percentage is going to be up there. Yeah. The home runs going to be 400, 500 home runs. I mean, his 2015 season is arguably a top five season of all time. Oh, it was, it was he, he's absolutely incredible. Unbelievable. And he went out this year. And he, how many two-time MVPs do you know that are, that aren't in the top 100? I mean, the not guy's many. a phenomenal. And I, I love Rice he's Harper. A, he's a gamer, man. I, I used yeah. to not like him. Uh, and it was easy to not like him when he first came up because that's a clown question, bro. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to run face first into a wall, and yeah. I'm going to swing my bat onto a brick wall and have a bounce back, hit me in the face, and knock me out for a few games. Yeah. Uh, but he is a damn good. He's a player that any team should want on their team. In high school, I always tried to model my swing after his. I even had his cleats and everything. I was a big Bryce Harper. Oh man, guy. With, the, in, <laughs> with, with the front right foot turned almost completely in, and oh yeah. man, his, I, I his swing is beautiful. Oh, he's got a gorgeous swing. When that, when that dude, huge any, load and just explodes. Anytime I look at so like when we would do um, uh, the payoff pitch around the league uh, once the season gets going. Anytime that I would look up scores and I saw that Bryce Harper hit a, hit a home run, I'd have to take some time out and watch the home run because his swing when he connects is so freaking oh, beautiful. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. so beautiful. Uh, and that's honestly, that's how I feel about Kobe Mayo. I remember the first time I saw him hit a home run, the swing that he put on that ball was mm-hmm. a, a thing of beauty. It was gorgeous. Yeah. And that's and that's when I was like, ooh, that, that guy's swing is too pretty for him not to be a success. But all right, Zach, time for some trivia here. Um all the reads are done, right? Yep. Uh, actually, no, we have Glenn Clark Radio to go. Oh, you didn't do that coming out of the break? I did not, no. Oh, All right, so now. Pressbox's Glenn Clark Radio is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with Giants outfielder and Baltimore native, former Terp Lamont Wade, legendary former Maryland coach Gary Williams, and even hip-hop legend DJ Cool, the man responsible for Let Me Clear My Throat. Find those interviews and more. Find those interviews and more in the Glenn Clark Radio We Can Review feature right now at PressBoxOnline.com. I didn't like get enough air before I said that line, and I was just trying to finish it out before I got more air. So yeah, that was not the best read, but there we go. Whatever, man. Glenn Clark Radio. Glenn Clark Radio. Go watch it. Paul Val, yeah. Um, all right, so what do you got for me with, with trivia today? All right, a little bit of an easier one. I, since I was a, a hard on you a few times, I'm going to make this one. It's kind of like a softball question. Um, but we know Nolan Ryan has thrown seven no-hitters. I love Nolan Ryan. We talked about Nolan Ryan because I, I can't stop talking about this guy. We love him. But can you name the other guys that have thrown three or more no-hitters? And I'm going to give you one because you'll never get him, and nobody even knows who this guy is. Uh, Larry Corcoran from 1884. But... The other guys uh, on this I, list. I, this isn't a softball. I have no really? idea. Really? I have no idea. Well, all these guys, you uh, know um, who they are. Tom Seaver. Tom Seaver is not on the list. Sandy Koufax. Sandy Koufax is number two. He is four. Uh, he threw one September 9th, 1965, June 4th, 1964, May 11th, 1963, and June 30th, 1962. So he threw one for four years in a row, which is Four straight wild. years no-hitter is absolutely yeah. insane. Insane. Uh, how many people are on this list? Uh, there are three more. Three more. So there's yeah. Nolan Ryan, there's Sandy Koufax. And they've all thrown three no-hitters, these next three guys. Uh, Don Larson. No. If you need hints, I can start giving a Tug letter. Tug McGraw. No. 
Don't give me a hint yet. Okay. Um, three no hitters. Didn't Mike Hampton throw a couple? He might have, but he's not here. Not for three. He might have thrown two. Um, I think he actually did throw two. I think you're right on that. Tim Lindsay come through two. Yeah, but he's not. He he's did not, not throw he's three. He's not on the list. Um, Palmer only threw one. I'm pretty sure. I know he's not. Yeah, on the I believe list. you're right. All right, give me a team. Okay. Um, see, there. Are, some of them did it on different teams, but I'll give you uh, Houston. Houston. Like modern, like recently? It's modern. It's modern for Houston. No, it's not. No. <laughs> oh, dude, I have no idea. Verlander. Verlander. Verlander, that's Verlander right. Verlander is throwing three. Verlander uh, is throwing three. And yep. then there's, there's two more guys? 2019, 2011, and 2007. Yeah, two he, with he, Detroit, he, one with Houston. Ver, two other Verlander's guys. definitely thrown three. I think Scherzer's thrown two. So I'll give you the other two teams. Um, well, actually, there's technically three, but one of them doesn't exist anymore, which should help you out a little bit. But we have uh, Cleveland as one of the teams, and then Boston as the other team. Cleveland and Boston. It's not, it's not Pedro. I don't even know that Pedro threw one. I actually don't know. I don't think he did. Um, I'm looking down this list. I don't see him. Roger so Clemens? Not Roger Clemens. Dennis Eckersley? No. Good guess, though. Um, both these guys are not modern. Both these guys? Uh, I, mean, I, I, I have no idea. Do, okay. You want, want me to tell you? Yeah. So Cy Young through three. Um, oh, duh. Okay. Two, <laughs> two with Boston and then one with CLV, which I'm not entirely sure what that Cleveland? stands for. It might be Cleveland, maybe the Spiders. Was that? Yeah, who? I think it might have yeah. been the Cleveland Spiders. Um, and then Bob Feller through three as well. But um, I, I could have guessed both. In the guys. 1940s and 50s, all with Cleveland. Um, but Feller threw all, all of them, which is weird, six years apart, which is kind of. That's a weird, weird feller. I can't count because that was five years apart, actually. <laughs> that's, a, that's a weird feller right there. Yeah, he was a great pitcher, though. Great pitcher. So, yeah, I, I could have gotten Bob Feller. I could have gotten Cy Young. I, Cy Young like never pops into my mind, but he's like the most important yeah. pitcher of all time. Larry but, Larry Corcoran, I don't think you were going to get. 1880s. <laughs> yeah, I think I've heard Chicago. of him. Chicago. I, th- I think I've heard of him, but yeah, no, you're absolutely Some of right. these guys you've thrown two, though, are kind of surprising. Like I'm looking through this list. You got Homer Bailey. He threw two? Mm-hmm. I don't remember that. Um, Dallas Braden threw one or two. Dallas Braden threw a perfect Dallas game. Braden threw on Mother's Day, yeah. Um, Ken Holtzman. Did not know that. Um, Do you remember, what? wasn't it? Um, Bill Stoneman. When didn't Jeremy Guthrie have a no hitter into the ninth inning on the Mother's Day I think massacre? He did. And, then he, yeah. and then the Orioles gave up six runs. They were up five nothing. Gave up six runs. Sounds like six the Orioles. <laughs> or Keegan Aiken taking a no hitter into the yeah. seventh game of a seven inning double seventh inning of a seven inning double header, and then the Orioles and they're up two nothing. Keegan Aiken might have been possessed. During and that game. and they lost eleven to two because they gave up eleven yeah. runs. And they, God, talk about one of the. I, I, and the thing is, I'd rather be mad about that. Then be yeah. mad about what we're mad about right now. Uh, true, true. Two times Tyler Wells giving up four runs in the ninth with a 10-6 lead over the Blue Jays. Yeah. And the Orioles having a no-hitter in the final inning and giving up 11 runs. I'd yeah. rather see that than nothing at all. I-, I got a bonus for you real quick. Want to do a bonus trivia? Sure. All right, who was the guy to throw uh, two consecutive no-hitters? Oh, my God. <laughs> I think I actually might have talked about this on the show before at one point. Don McLean. It wasn't Don McLean. Uh, I don't know. It was Johnny Ma- Vandermeer Johnny uh, with Vandermeer. Cincinnati in 1938. That's like the thing he's most famous for? Yeah, that's like all and he's famous I, I, for. I, ne- I never remember his name. No, that, that, that was good trivia, man. What, awesome. you, you thought it was a softball, but it, it truly was Maybe I thought because they were big names, but they weren't exactly. I mean, there's so many pitchers that have pitched. I mean, yeah. Randy Johnson is a guy that immediately would have come to my mind. He's but thrown like two. He threw two, yeah. Uh, but guys like that, I mean, there's so I mean, many. Mike, Mike Mussina took 
a perfect game and a no hitter into the ninth inning like three or four times and yeah, never never yeah. got one. So I'm kind of speaking down on Johnny Vanderbilt. He had a better better career than I thought he did. Scott Scott Erickson threw a no hitter. Okay, he I did not know that. He threw a no hitter with the. Uh, I'm pretty sure he threw a no hitter with the Twins. I mean, you know who Virgil Trucks is? No. <laughs> Allie Reynolds. No. Dutch Leonard. No. Addy Joss. I mean, all these guys have thrown two no hitters. I don't know who any of these guys are, yeah. but they're all like 50s and then. Well, below. you also have to look like I was looking at pitcher stats. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at, and like last night, I was looking at who's hit the most triples in their career. And that's the num- almost the, impossible to get. The number is like 306 because, yeah. like, Curtis Granderson in 2007 had 23 triples yeah. in a season. But the most in the season was like. Ty Cobb, right? Ty Cobb's up there. But the most in the season was like 36. But okay. all the top guys played in the late 1800s when they didn't have fences, so they just hit the ball. Oh, right. yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So, it, I mean, Babe Ruth won your hit like 17 triples. I got a quick question for you. I was thinking about this before we talk, we were talking with Eric about the wall. How much do you think that wall will, will impact triples? Do you think that's it's, a possible option to, for that? It's, it's hard to say. I think you'll see more triples. How much more, you don't really know because yeah. you, you don't generally see triples to left field. My so, only thing, so, could the ball get like stuck under there somehow? I don't well, know. if it gets stuck under there, you put your hands up. Well, yeah, that's and, true. And then, and then yeah. it's an automatic double. But like, if somebody hits a ball and you have your left fielder coming one way and your center fielder coming another and it hits right on that corner of yeah. that 90 degree yeah. thing and then bounces back this way, right. that's going to be a triple. But yeah. I, I don't think that you're going to see triples on balls to the gap in left center unless it's a guy like Jorge Mateo, who happens to play for the Orioles. Yeah. Um, Cedric Mullins, I think, might get an extra triple or two out of it. Definitely. Um, but Mullins honestly, is the first guy that came it, to it, my mind. It's yeah. one of those things where the ball is going to have to take a wonky bounce and go back the other way and make the left fielder have to turn around. That's the only way you're getting triples, extra triples. I still think you'll see more, but I don't think it's going to be as drastic as people think because it's left field. Now, if they made this change in right field, oh, you'd see 20 more triples. 100%, yeah. You know, but well, it's like the Giants Stadium out there in, in California with the massive gap in right field mm-hmm. where it's just triple. They call it triples alley, and it's just, I mean, it's it's easy to hit a triple there. And, or and Houston or Arizona. Houston, yeah, Houston's another good example. A- Arizona's yeah. A, yeah. And, and um, right center field in, in Boston. Yeah, that's a deep one. That's on oh, MLB the show. I like to play a lot of games at the Polo Grounds because it's oh, so God. deep to the gaps. It's like five hundred to dead center. Yeah, it's it's so deep that if yeah. you hit a ball in the gap, it's an inside the park home run. Yeah. I just think that's fun. No, it's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome, guys. Thanks for t- turned out to be a really fun show. It did. Like, it did. I, like I got to be honest, I love doing the show. I love talking baseball. I and I've said it all show long. I don't love talking CBA. I'm like so done with it. Yeah, I'm I'm completely done. But but we do this show and it's not easy no. to talk about baseball when there's no baseball going on. But we we try it and we we get through it and most often, more often than not, it's a really fun show. Today yeah. was a really fun show. It was. I really enjoyed myself. Eric was a great guest. Special yep. thanks to him. Special thanks to Stan the Fan for his weekly segment. And and I know that Stan um can get tired of answering the same questions until something gets done. We got no choice, unfortunately. We, we, we really have no choice. But uh, guys, thanks so much for tuning into the Batter Round. We couldn't do it without you, our, our listeners and our viewers. I will not be here next week. I'll be playing some baseball of my own in the warm luck. Florida weather. Thank you, sir. Uh, but Zach will be here. Ryan Blake will be sitting in the captain's chair, uh, filling in for me. I'll be back in two weeks. So until two weeks from now, see ya.